This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. Exile, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast. I'm Rich Cranch alongside, as always, King of Banter, very good family man, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening for the first time tonight? I'm asking that question for sure. I was wondering if you would pull the uh, the curtain back. (laughs) On our technical, you gotta have to because you know, like some people will just like act like it never happened before, blow through it or whatever. But I feel like you and I were we're too we're so professional that we're like I I, I don't know like you'll you'll see like I feel like you can tell pretty early like ah Joe and Rich are being kind of weird you know pretty pretty early on because you'll be like hey Rich did you hear about Hercules Ayala who passed away and I'd be like no Joe I hadn't heard it like we're we're too fake when we try to you know do it again and roll it back we're we're very uh, we're very much in the moment organic people. In a lot of ways, which I think makes us great, but you know. Yeah. Well, to catch everybody up, we did about five or six minutes of audio that did not record, which I mean, anyone who does podcasting, that is a tremendous catch to catch it only five minutes in. I mean, we could have done 90 minutes. We could have done the whole show without the show actually recording. So to only have done five minutes is a, uh, is a godsend. Uh, as Rich just mentioned, on the first attempt at doing this show, which was fantastic, we, by the way, that for I mean that we nailed the intro. Every those for five minutes, impeccable audio, just unbelievable audio. But was it was it great audio? <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> it was all right. We've had some lost shows that were certainly better than this one. So, oh, we talk about it all the time. I mean, there was one show that was the lost chicken recipe entirely. show. I think was that was the all timer. Right? How many times do I have to tell you? <laughs> That that was not the chicken recipe show. It was that everyone heard the chicken recipe. It was it was the Slate Randall show. Oh, this, oh my God, that was great. Oh, geez. remember we did the whole bit on Slate Randall. We did, yeah. And that was lost. That was a great bit. Um, but yeah, no. As we when we first started the show the first time, I had just discovered that the death of Hercules Ayala had been confirmed by his family. And uh, Rich knew nothing of Hercules Ayala, and I had just been doing a brief uh, rundown of Hercules Ayala's career. So uh, we will repeat that now, and Rich will act uh, as if he is being informed for the first time and is very impressed with this information as he was five minutes ago. Isn't that right, Rich? Uh, absolutely. I cannot wait to hear, uh, the, for the first time ever, uh, a little bit of a career breakdown of Hercules Ayala. So please, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so Hercules Ayala, uh, 69 years old. I believe he died of some sort of heart ailment. Uh, Rich could check that out as I'm talking. The one thing I remember about Hercules Ayala is growing up, he was a very impressive-looking wrestler in the magazines because he had a great look. He had a uh, a very uh, – he's like a beefy body. Uh, 
uh, the, the best described as sort of uh, the same kind of body type as, as someone like Taz, except he was significantly larger than Taz, taller and larger than Taz. But um, that's the kind of body type he had. Big barrel chest, thick dude. Uh, Rich, the first time around, uh, said he sort of resembled Masa Saito in the face, which is very accurate. He always had that beard. He had those big eyes, big bug eyes. He, he just was a scary looking, very physically imposing looking man who looked great in the magazines. As a kid, I would see him in the magazines and the after mags. And uh, he always came across to me as like a very dangerous looking ass kicker. And he worked in the Puerto Rico territory. Uh, the two names I associate with Carlos Colon are, have always been Abdul the Butcher and then Hercules Ayala. So a uh, big star in Puerto Rico, uh, main event level star in Puerto Rico uh, during the, the peak of that territory when Carlos Colon was red hot, but not a guy who strictly worked on the island. Um, he did work plenty of territories. I would say his, his, his next uh, most prominent place was probably Calgary. And he was, he was in Calgary around the same time as a young Bret Hart and a young Dynamite Kid and a young Davy Boy Smith. So sort of that uh, peak era of Calgary that, that, that a lot of people feel uh, was a great period of time there, early 80s, when all of those guys were coming up. That's about the time where, where he was in Calgary. And um, he also worked for, for Watts, Bill Watts, um, some. He was an early, uh, early in his career. He was a WWF guy for Vincent J. McMahon as a uh, prelim wrestler. But yeah, for sure, best known as uh, as one of the top names during the uh, the hot period in uh, in WWC in Puerto Rico uh, with guys like Carlos Colon, Abdul the Butcher, and all those dudes. So um, yeah, a good a good career, a main eventer. Uh, in, in, in Puerto Rico and yet another significant uh, notable wrestling death in really what was an incredible string of deaths uh, this month to start off 2020. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. And, and you had asked in the, in the prior episode about uh, any sort of Japan uh, runs in 1984. He was there in April of 1984, and that was it. He did uh, looks like 19 matches in April. So he worked a a very busy schedule in April, and then he was uh, he was off and, and and done, and and that was pretty much it for uh, his run in New Japan. So, Eight, did you say 84? Uh, 84, yes. Yeah. So being a Calgary guy around that time, you know, it, it, I would kind of figure that, um, you know, he would have found his way mm-hmm. to New Japan, um, you know, once or twice. In uh, in those days, I'm sure that was the connection. I'm sure he was there with a couple of the hearts and maybe uh, some of the other guys. We, got, that. we have uh, the guys that it's looked like he teamed with a lot. Mike Sharp Jr., uh, Mass Superstar. He was uh, teaming with a bunch while he was there. Uh, other That looks like, yeah, that's about it. And then he just worked a bunch of uh, Bruce Hart. He's there with Bruce Hart for one point. Uh, oh, there you while go. Don Morocco, I, I he's in there with Don Morocco a little bit as well. So. I was going to be I was going to say I'd be stunned if there wasn't a, a heart or two yeah, there you go, on that Bruce tour Hart. with him. Because I'm sure that that the Calgary was and Mike Sharp Jr. Of course, that's that's Iron Mike Sharp. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So you know, I I'm not surprised at all that he popped up in in Japan. Now, as far as if people want to seek him out, I mean, the uh, the Puerto Rico territory. Um, I can't remember if this was on. Did I talk about this yet, or was uh, this on I lost don't footage? Think so, but keep going. But I, I don't believe so. 
if I'm repeating myself, just stop me. But the Puerto Rico territory at that time was very much a uh, a hardcore territory, um, sort of ahead of its time in that regard in the late seventies, early eighties, because you know they like their ass kickers in Puerto Rico, walking brawls, um, you know, guys using fucking hitting each other with two by fours and barbed wire matches before it was really a worldwide thing. And those Carlos Colon bloodbaths, of course, uh, with Colon with, uh, against butcher and Ayala and people like that. And, uh, so the Puerto Rico footage, um, if you seek it out, it's going to be a lot of brawling. Uh, that's the, that, you know, that's, uh, it's kind of wrestling that the fans like down there. You know, they like, they like their bloody brawls and they like people beating the shit out of each other. Um, you know, if you can find the Calgary stuff, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, some sort of expert on Hercules Ayala's career in Calgary, but I know that he was there during a really good time in their history. So, uh, but I don't, I don't recall any of his programs or who he worked with there or anything like that. Um, you know, to, to be completely honest, I mean, I've probably seen less than 10 Hercules Ayala matches in my life. Um, I've definitely seen some of his stuff in Puerto Rico. But some of the other territories, I know he he did. Uh, he worked. Uh, I'm pretty sure he worked uh, for Watts and 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 other parts of Canada too. He he may have worked. Now that I think about it, um, are you looking at Cage Match? Did he work? Uh, yeah, I can. What, what Quebec? do you back? Uh, let me find out here. Let's get out of the. Uh, let's do all regions here. Maybe mid to late '80s, maybe with. Uh, <sighs> Yeah, let's see here. Um, International wrestling is what you're looking for. I think that's what they call that territory. Uh, that, that was like 86, 87 around that time. That's yeah, yeah, there it is. Yeah, yeah. Here he is against David Schultz uh, going for yeah. the title. Uh, yeah, so 86, 87 in, in international wrestling. Yeah. And again, I haven't seen a lot of this stuff. This is just from being, you know, a 10 year old kid. You know, reading Pro Wrestling Illustrated when his mother is grocery shopping, you know, and just eating that stuff alive. When, when, you know, you beg your mother to buy the magazine. Sometimes she would, sometimes you wouldn't. And if she wouldn't buy it, I'd just stand there and read it for an hour while she's growing. And just, you're trying to just absorb all of it, you know, and then that's how you learn this stuff. Yeah, then. I always feel bad that there's not children that 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 are growing up now that didn't because I was the exact same way. My mom would go, "Hey, I'm going grocery shopping. Do you want to come?" And oh, I'd say yes every single time. I'd say yes. We'd walk into the grocery store. She'd go do whatever the fuck she was going to do. I ran right to the magazines and I yep. just <laughs> sat there and I hoped I hope she took longer. I didn't want her to end like because the, the worst part is like she would come back. Oh, I only needed a few things, and I'm like, ah oh, man. And then I'd be like, Hey, can I get this magazine? No, you can't. I just bought your wrestling magazine. No, that was you know that was no that was Wow magazine, mom. This is PWI or whatever. I would have to beg her, and she'd go, ah, no, 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 we're not doing that. And I'd be like, fuck. And then it was like, you know, I only got through 10 pages of the magazine. I didn't get enough time to read it all. So, uh, but yeah, sometimes they were there for a while, and that was the best. You look at the deli line, there's a long deli line, you're like, oh, I'm ready to go, baby. Here we go. Yeah. And just, yeah, like you said, kind of have to speed read and absorb every single thing you read from that, unless you, you know, maybe got that magazine the one time, and then those were the ones that you reckon, you you would memorize every little line of that entire PWI or whatever that you actually were able to take home. So, I would read those magazines a hundred times yeah. cover to cover. <laughs> I mean, cause it's all you had, you know, and it's, 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 um, and I'd go in the supermarket right to the rankings page, right to that rankings page where they get the top 10 in every territory, because that's where you'd see who was working what territory. Right. 
And then uh, you could see, oh, you'd be like, oh, this guy, oh, Hercules Ayala, he's in fucking Canada now. You know, what's he doing now? You know, or whoever. And um, in later years, maybe, you know, you, you'll you'll probably remember this. Like, what when the territory started to die down, they had a, an even a little section in the rankings that were in even smaller print with all the little indie groups and yeah. the top 10 rankings from all the indies. It was always Colorado Kid. It was always number one every time I looked at it. I was like, man, this Colorado Kid must be awesome. He was just always number one for some reason. Yeah, him and, and him and Donovan Morgan were always like, you know, one and two <laughs> battling it out. So, and, and, you know, I'd be like, oh, I see that Tony Atlas is still dominating IWCCW. <laughs> right. You know, it's it's <laughs> it would always go right to the rankings, especially if I knew, you know, I, you know, my mother wasn't buying me the magazine that day just to see where everybody was. So a lot of this stuff with a guy like Ayala who never really, he never came in anywhere in my neck of the woods. He didn't work WWF in those days, and he wasn't working on TBS. You know, a lot of my knowledge and, and just remembering where he worked is just, in my mind's eye, Rich, I'm seeing those rankings yeah, in like the magazines <laughs> and seeing them in the rankings. And then, you know, years later, as an adult, you know, with the advent of YouTube and and uh, doing some tape trading, you pick up a match here or there. So it's not, you know, like I've seen a ton of his stuff. I have a good feel for him because i have seen him wrestle but uh he was just a big imposing scary looking brawler just perfect for the 80s he's an atypical 80 but um you know a lot of muscle you know thick guy is the best he had a thick physique but uh yeah so i don't know with that one tour it's highly doubtful any of those matches made their way to new japan world i don't know if i'd necessarily look there if you want to watch the guy, yeah, uh, you're not, I did a quick YouTube search, and it looks like there's some pretty good stuff on there. Some of these I might actually want to check out here. There's uh, the first result is uh, uh, Carl's Cologne and Hercules Ayala, 1987, a fire match. So that uh, oh, yeah, oh, right yeah. up my fucking alley right there. Uh, there's a Bruiser Brody Hercules Ayala match from '87 as well uh, that comes up right away. All I did was look up Her- Hercules Ayala and, uh, on YouTube. Uh, yeah. Texas Death Match between him and Cologne. Uh, there's a match with him and Randy Savage from 1985. That sounds actually pretty. Uh, uh, from 85? Yeah, 1985 from W yeah, from WWE's WWC. So I guess Macho went to. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, and then there's a uh, February 1978 Bret Hart versus Hercules Ayala match. That has got to be Calgary. That, I believe uh, so. Here, I'll, I'll look at it. With, let me try to mute it so it doesn't. Uh, 78. Well, I, you know what? You know what? Bret Hart went down to Puerto Rico with Bruce. So it's possible that that, that could be I'm trying to look at the makeup of the – this looks like a Calgary crowd. It does not look like a uh, Puerto Rican crowd. Um, yeah. So that could be either or. Oh, but, this, is, uh, this is a much different Hercules Ayala. He's got like a very nicely trimmed afro and like nice sideburns and no scars. And yeah, he looks like just a, a – Well, you're talking 1970. <laughs> yeah, he's just a, a younger man. Yeah, he, he definitely had, looks very uh, – like – because I, I seeing the pictures of what he looked like in 1987, very very different man at this point for sure. Yeah, but, he hadn't uh, got carved up yet. Right, right. Know? Yeah, he's so, he's, well, he's uh, tying Bret Hart in knots right here. So, yeah, I mean, so it looks like there's a good cross section of his stuff for sure. That Savage match is interesting because you know in '85 that had to be early '85 because Savage was well on his way. He was in WWE by '85, right? So that had to be like one of the well, unless. Well, he unless he was in WWF already and was still doing some uh, Puerto Rico tours in between, that wasn't totally unheard of at the time. But, right? Yeah. Let me see what the uh, date of it is: March second, nineteen eighty-five. When did I? I think he was still not quite there yet. Yeah, it might have been the end of his uh, pre-WWF run. You're right. It might have been the. 
Um, I'd have to look it up. I don't, but that's right around the time. Um, didn't he do a loser leave town with Lawler? I believe so. Yeah. Let, let me see. I'm, I'm trying to do a little cage match here. So we're not just, you know, guessing at, at random here. Uh, yeah. So he enters WWF. Jesus. I got to go through their insane house show schedule. So give me one minute. Uh, all right. So he enters officially in June of 85. Uh, wow, and he wraps so up. He wraps up June '85 actually in 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 Kentucky with that lose leaves town match against Lawler, like you said. Yeah. So he's he does that, and then 11 days later he shows up on Championship Wrestling in Poughkeepsie uh, to start his WWF career. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's how guys did it then. There was no 90 day non compete. Nah, he's, just, like, he's done. <laughs> 11 days later, he's in. That's <laughs> yeah. You gave notice, and they would do a blow off match if you were yeah. a big enough star. Even if you weren't, you know they do a blow off match. And then there you go, 10 days later. I mean, a lot of times it wasn't even that long. You know, they'd be in the next territory a couple, you know, a day or two later. But that's a real interesting match uh, against Savage at the very end of Savage's uh, pre-WWF career. Yeah, so uh, that's it, doesn't, it doesn't show. I can't find this match on Cage Match. So I don't know if maybe the date's wrong or it's just Are you not. talking about the Savage versus Ayala match? Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not I showing tell up you here. Why. I can tell you why. Cage match is very sketchy with Puerto Rico results. I've noticed that through the years. So there's a lot of that. A lot of those results are missing. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, you're going to, you're going to, cage match is great, but, it, you know, wrestling, especially wrestling history in that era, it's so hard. And um, that's one of the blind spots where just a lot of those results are lost to time. Yeah, so, and you get a lot of the, I mean, especially in that era. I mean, it, the fact that we have as much as we have is amazing. Exactly, because, yeah, like you said, a lot of it is just, like, one guy was at a show and maybe wrote it down, and, like, you know, they found his paper, or one guy right. took notes, or a, a guy from a newspaper, you know, put it in, the, in, in, in you know, that week's newspaper, whatever, but, like, yeah, a lot of times it was, like, a bunch of people went to a show, and then they left, and nobody ever thought about it ever again, and it was, like, you know, yeah. and especially with, they weren't memorable events, you know, in, in terms of, like, you know, every Tuesday they came and ran the same show in the same day or whatever, like, so, yeah, how many people are, like, cataloging it or logging it, so, yeah, we, uh, I think, take for granted a lot of, of how much we do have. Uh, and how amazing it is how much that that we do have this catalog as much as we do so yeah unless there was one of the smarks of the era uh who happened to be at some of these shows who were going to send this into a newsletter or report it to a newspaper you know you just it was it's lost to time forever right you know so um and that's one of the territories where there just wasn't great record keeping you know and there's a lot of those japan was always meticulous with the record keeping because the newspapers and the magazines just they covered it like any other sport. You know what I mean? They covered it like a shoot and they covered it like a sport. So Japan, you really have impeccable record keeping almost all the way back to the very beginnings of Japanese wrestling history. So in Japan, we're lucky. Um, Mexico, there's a lot of people who have done great job restoring a lot of that stuff. But a lot of that, I mean, they, there's so many shows run in Mexico City alone. It's just all that stuff's gone. You know, in a lot of these territories, the results are gone, and 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 the the even the stuff that was taped, as you, you know, we talk about, it was just taped over the next week, which is why a lot of the the, the the footage is gone. Right. You know, they saved money. They didn't think they didn't think it would ever be worth anything. So you you'd shoot TV, and then the next week you'd shoot the TV on the same tape just to save money and tape over the previous week. And if these promoters had known now. Had known then what they know now, they never would have done that because they all would have said, fuck, in 30 years, you know, I'm going to be rich off these just these tapes, you know, 
So yeah, the, the, the yeah, I'm the always pro- amazed. I'm always amazed, and, and this is a big reason why WWE is what they are right now. I'm always amazed that they kept as much stuff as they have. Like you know, Eric Bischoff comes into the company, or Eric Bischoff rises to power, and they're like, oh yeah, we have his you know his you know demo tape when he's selling a, a broom to us, you know, for for his job interview, and it's like, why did you tape that? Why did you keep that? There's no reason to keep that. No sane person would say, oh, you know what? Let's keep all these announcer, you know, trials just in a, in, like nobody would ever have thought to do that at that time. And the fact that they did is, is, is ridiculous. It's amazing. Nah, they were so forward thinking and keeping everything. And everything. They have so much shit. And, and like, <laughs> it, it was just, it, it would have just been as easy in 1987 to say, fuck it. Who gives a shit about this, you know, random house show in Boston? Like, who cares? But they kept it forever. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and because their house shows, Te- were were televised in what seven or eight different markets: Boston, Philly, Washington, New York, L.A. for a while, uh, Toronto, Maple Leaf Garden. Um, you know, we have all of that house show footage going back to into the you know mid seventies, all the way into when did they stop really airing MSG shows? Mid nineties, probably ninety six, ninety seven, right? Um, or at least around that time is when MSG stopped airing the MSG. So, you know, WWF has just, you know, an incredible depth of catalog in terms of stuff, including all those house shows. And a lot of people lament the fact that what was probably the worst working territory for years was the one where we have, (laughs) we have everything of theirs. Yeah. (laughs) You know, but to me, there's still value in that. Like when I watch, when I watch old footage, I'm not watching to see fucking, four and a half star matches i'm watching for the historical purposes you know to see what was going i think it's just so interesting to sit down sometimes when you have a couple of two and a half hours to kill and just find some old fucking boston garden wwf house show from 86 and just watch it i'm not not mad if the matches aren't great you know and and you're pleasantly surprised sometimes you get like a Hart Foundation versus Killer Bees match or the Hart Foundation versus the Bulldogs or a Randy Savage match against Tito Santana or somebody like that. Or, and, and you know, you, you are pleasantly surprised. And then you just, you're like, wow, I wonder if they did this kind of match everywhere on the loop, you know, and you gain a lot of respect for, for these guys who worked hard because a lot of those guys did not work hard, you know, as we know. Um, but yeah, so uh, anyway, getting back to Hercules Ayala, I mean, yeah, it, it, the results are going to be very incomplete for Puerto Rico. So I wouldn't, you know, but but eighty five. What'd you say? It was eighty five. The 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 Savage. Uh, match? Savage. Yeah, Mar- it says March uh, March second, nineteen eighty five, for the WWC North American Heavyweight Title here. So yeah, that's so that's a match I would definitely check out. Um, and that Bret Hart match sounds interesting too. From from Calgary slash Puerto Rico, wherever it was. You're saying Calgary though. Um, which which makes sense, but yeah, if he was a Calgary, he was a Calgary Puerto Rico guy around that time. It doesn't surprise me that um, he did that New Japan tour. But um, yeah, I think he was uh, sixty nine years old, and I think it was a heart attack. So um, I wonder who we'll be talking about next week. Yeah, Jeez, hopefully nobody. But yeah. Oh, boy. Anyway, we got uh, plenty to get to uh, this week. We had a lot going on in the wrestling world uh, this weekend. We got Royal Rumble. It's uh, Royal Rumble weekend. We also have the NXT show Worlds Collide. Not a takeover. 
not a takeover. It's a world's collide show, not a takeover. Uh, NWA Hard Times as well uh, going on this weekend. That's coming up on Friday, actually. I know there's been a little confusion there. That is on Friday. World's Collide's on Saturday and Royal Rumble, obviously, on Sunday. Uh, before we get to those, though, and do the previews for those shows, we do need to let you know uh, some other news and notes going on in the wrestling world, stuff that we wanted to kind of react to and talk about. Um, the first thing, and this kind of, I think this just dropped this morning, I want to say, this news came out uh, the, the morning we're recording this, is that Kota Bushi is off of the upcoming New Beginning in U.S shows he has influenza so here's the exact uh, word here in Japan uh, for wrestling posted on their website this morning uh, that Ibushi has contracted type A influenza and as a result will not be able to participate uh, in the tour which begins Friday in Tampa Florida uh, he will also be unable to attend the scheduled meet and greet in Miami uh, information on refunds can be found yada 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 uh, a number of changes to the cards have taken place as a result of Ibushi's withdrawal um, most notably Ibushi was set to face Chase Owens in a singles match on February 1st in Atlanta we had talked about it a few weeks ago that was a really cool spot for Chase Owens and now that is done uh, he is instead going to face Rocky Romero so um, still an interesting match but yeah not not as high profile obviously uh, Yoshihashi was originally set to team with Rocky Romero on the undercard I will now face uh, Mysterio, uh, Mysterioso uh, in a singles match uh, Romeo will also now be teaming with Roshi Tanahashi as the two face off against Tamatanga and Tangaloa which takes place on January 30th and uh, yeah so that's that's that so Kotobushi uh, has influenza will not be on this tour and the real point that we wanted to bring up and kind of talk about a little bit is, man, these these New Japan and USA shows between last year and the visa issues and now this Kotobushi thing, like these ones are snake bitten, man. These things are unlucky. I, I would, uh, I definitely be thinking, uh, you know, long and hard about these in the future because, man, it just seems like no matter what, something goes wrong with every single one of these shows. But yeah, what do you make of of Bushi's uh, uh, illness and and the changes that they made to kind of redo the cards a little bit? Yeah, I mean. Um... The first couple of shows, he's in a bunch of multi-man tags, including the uh, elimination match in Tampa. So those were easy changes because all they had to do was also remove Jado from the other side. So if it was a 10-man tag, it's now an 8-man tag. If it was an 8-man tag, it's now a 6-man tag. So those were easy. You just Abushi's not there, so you remove a guy from the other team. And in every instance, they just took Jado out of it. He don't want to wrestle anyway. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was fine. Um, <laughs> But yeah, the, so the notable changes uh, that you noted, uh, yes, yeah, so it'll be Rocky Romero versus Chase Owens, and to uh, they had to remove Rocky from a tag match, which was Rocky and Yoshihashi versus Mysterioso and Alex Coughlin. So it'll be Yoshihashi versus Mysterioso. So you get another singles match on that show in Atlanta, and then Coughlin is just off the show. So that's how they solve that, and then the tag match, which was probably. Abushi's biggest match on the tour was teaming with Tanahashi against Gorillas of Destiny. So again, they just uh, they pulled Rocky Romero from his six-man tag and stuck him in Kota Abushi's spot. So it'll be Rocky Romero and Tanahashi versus Gorillas of Destiny. And the six-man tag was easy to fix because they just again they knocked Jado out of it, and that just becomes Finn Juice versus Chase Owens and Yujiro. So, um, you know, so yeah, I mean. If if someone had to be pulled off the tour due to illness, I mean, this is probably other than Tanahashi, obviously the biggest guy and the biggest loss. So this could affect the walk up for sure. If people now know that Abushi's not on the show, and these shows weren't exactly killing it anyway. Right, and I think that's a good discussion. Um, I'm I'm actually going to the Ticketmaster right now to look at, at how we're doing here. But uh, yeah, some of the some of the shows are doing okay, and then some are doing very, very, very poorly. Uh, as we're kind of coming up here, I know that the uh, we're starting out in Tampa. 
uh, on Friday, and I thought that show I think was doing okay the last I saw, but there's a Miami show that looks like an absolute fucking disaster there. That's January 30th. Well, we uh, talked that about one, yeah. that. Miami's going to bomb. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about that. That's a hard town for, for events, period, and it's not a very good show, and I, I, that one's going to bomb tremendously. I think Nashville was doing okay. Um, you said Tampa was doing okay. Tampa, yeah, Tampa was doing okay the one this week. Yeah, it looks like Miami's the first one that really stands out is not looking great. And then what was the other one? Tennessee, I think, was the other. And I'll be honest, Nashville. I don't really know about the uh, the Tennessee one. Yeah, the Nashville. Nashville, I saw the chart. It's doing okay. okay. It's like it doesn't look like it's going to sell out. But Oh, um, Atlanta was the last one. I was trying to think of the one that I wasn't remembering. Yeah, so you have Miami on Thursday, January 30th, and then you start, uh, which, again, like we said, Thursday, Miami, <laughs> shit card. Like, there's a lot working that. against that show. That is not looking good. And then Saturday, Saturday in Atlanta, uh, I don't recall what that one was looking like, but. That's the tour ender, right, with the yeah. tag title match? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so, I mean, this this will probably hurt walk-ups to some extent, I would think. And the tour wasn't doing great to begin with. Uh, it's it's like we said when they announced the cards. Okay, I think that these cards were fair cards for the building size, but the market was going to dictate whether they could continue doing that. And if they don't sell tickets, then they have to say, okay, well, even though these are only thousand seat venues, we need to give them better quality than thousand seat venue level cards. Because it didn't work, at least in this part of the country. And I really feel bad for the people in this part of the country because, again, they they dealt with the tour that had the visa issues too. Right, right. You know, it's just this is just bad luck for those fans and for the company. I mean, they ended up getting Tracer X and Harlem Bravado last time, and you know, <laughs> that's you know, just to have a just to have show bodies. Yeah, they just needed live bodies at certain points. So, but um, and now they lose Kota Ibushi. Uh, which obviously, again, it's like I'm Abushi and Tanahashi were the two top draws on this tour, without question. Right. So, and we'll we'll see what kind of cards they do when they do these tours that aren't a split tour. Remember, this is a split tour, so the crew is split. Um, you know, it's it's they, yeah. We weren't too hot on the idea of running these house shows. You know, it's like, we'll see, you know. Um, I don't want to judge if this tour doesn't go well, which it looks like at best it's going to go fair. Uh, and at work, by the way, an update terrible. for Atlanta. Uh, I jumped into yeah. Atlanta. The floor is looking okay. There's one section where the entire first two rows are still available on the floor. Uh, yeah. The general admission, though, not looking great. There's a whole, there's a lot of sections still available. It's it's not bad. Like I, I would probably look at this and say, ah, we're okay. We're not too bad. I would like to fill that one section that you know has nobody in the first two rows, or uh, sorry, two spots in the first two rows are taken up, but the rest are are, are available. Uh, but I mean, I, I wouldn't say a complete disaster, but not looking great. And the ticket prices are not. Uh, they're also not super, super competitive with like other stuff going on in the markets as well. I mean, talking about $200 ringside tickets, you know, $50 yeah, GA and stuff. And it's like, oh boy, like that's a, uh, that's a lot. I mean, we're used to paying 20 bucks for, for R&D shows, you know, 15 bucks for R&D shows. So asking, you know, 200, 150 is, is, is really asking a lot. Even, you know, I understand you're bringing some guys over or whatnot, but yeah, those ticket prices, I don't know if the prices really match the cards. And that's probably a big reason why a lot of people are. That's uh, a good point. The, the 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 quality of the cards match the, the size of the venues. The ticket prices are very high, so 
I mean, they're going to do decent gates just because like the ringside have done well in most of these cities. It's like you're saying the GAs are where they're struggling. And that's where you're going to get hurt with the walk up if people are like, eh, now I was so so on this card to begin with, but now I got to pay 50 bucks to sit in a shitty seat and I'm not getting Kota Ibushi. Ah, you know what? I'm going to watch fucking a basketball game that night instead. You know, so that's, I think, where they're going to get hurt. Uh, you know, but uh, but we'll see. Uh, Miami looks like it'll bomb for sure, and the other shows will do fair at best and bad at worst. Um, what you don't want it, is a bunch of unsold seats at ringside, but it looks like, for the most part, you know, those $200 seats are all going to sell in these places. But um, I'm real curious what kind of lineups they do when they have the full crew over here. That's going to be interesting to me. Because, as we noted, these cards are a bit stronger than the kind of house shows you'd get in Japan. So is that going to, like, when the whole crew is here, are we going to get shows? I I don't get the sense that they're just going to run a bunch of six- and eight-man tags. And I don't think the U.S. market's going to accept that. I think the U.S. market is not going to accept shows like these random house shows they do in Japan where they're insignificant eight-man tags up and down the card. So I think they're going to have to do singles matches and two versus two tags like they did on this tour. But the quality will obviously be a little better because they'll have the whole crew to work with. Right. So, th- you know, that I want to see. What a tour looks like. Um, and, and and especially uh, if the venue side, I don't know what, do you have any clue? Like they say they're going to run Texas. They say they're going to run the West Coast. I don't have any clue what the venues look like for any of the. None, none of us know, right? None of that's I don't think happen. so. Yeah, I don't think so. And it might be dependent on how they do here. And if they go, okay, look, you know, this size, this is it for us. This is the highest we can go. Or hell, I, maybe even smaller or whatever. I don't know what that that's going to be. Or yeah, if these sold out in a minute, then maybe you go a little bit bigger. But I think they're they're probably testing their waters a little bit with this tour to see, okay, what what kind of venues can we run? But like you said, it's hard to really make. And this has been the issue with, with it, New Japan and USA. It's like they never. They're kind of just testing it out and always just kind of putting a, a foot in the water and then kind of, okay, no, do you want this? Okay, you guys probably want, you know, you guys want American wrestlers? Okay, no, you don't. Okay, do you want like just straight house? Okay, no. Like they're, they're having a little trouble finding that foothold and trying to figure it out exactly what the fans want and what people want to, you know, spend their money on and what they want to spend and what type of venues and whatnot. And and I I, I think ultimately, I, I and again, like I have no idea what we're going to see after these tours, you know, happen, but I do think that, that, I don't know if New Japan's prepared to find out what American crowds kind of want out of a New Japan tour in their country because what they want is, like you said, they want big-time singles matches. They want the G1 in Dallas. You know what I mean? Like, that's the sort of stuff that I think they're going to expect to get, and it's going to be always, always, always difficult to sell, hey, here's the stars of New Japan in random tag matches. Like, that's always going to be a tough sell because that novelty is worn off after years and years of them coming with Ring of Honor and stuff. Because, like, yeah, they, they you know, I, the first show that I went to when I saw New Japan talent, it was some random Global Wars show, and most of the guys were just in meaningless tag matches. But I didn't care because, it was, oh, my God, Okada is in fucking Chicago Ridge, Illinois. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Tanashi and Okada are facing off in the Frontier Fieldhouse. Like, this is amazing. This is unbelievable. But that was four years ago at this point. And it's like I've seen those guys now live four or five times in just random tag. So I don't know that the American audience is just going to say, oh, cool, the stars of New Japan are coming to my town. Like, that's not enough. I think there's always going to be that little bit more. And I don't know if New Japan's prepared to give people really what they want in America because it's going to take a lot more of, you know, kind of breaking from their tradition as well. And it's going to be very interesting to see how they handle that. Yeah. I mean, they did some singles matches here, but they're all with 
a star on one side and a low prelim guy on the other, which doesn't really affect, you know, the, the kind of booking they like to do because the outcomes are, are pretty much obvious. There's a couple matches there that can go either way. But, you know, it's like Kota Ibushi wasn't going to lose to Chase Owens. You know, Lance Archer's not losing to Ren Narita. So it's like, yeah, I really don't believe, and I think that that's their admission that, okay, we do have to run these shows a little bit differently in this market. I just don't think American fans are going to go to shows with a bunch of six-man tags. I don't think American fans are going to buy a ticket to an LIJ versus Chaos fucking six-man tag main event. I think that you got to give them some singles matches. You got to adjust for the market. And, they've, and, and now what they've learned is, okay, maybe we need to bite the bullet and give them slightly better singles matches. And I think the idea they had last year with doing the Tomohiro Ishii, Yuji Nagata match in America was a good one. Cause that's not the kind of match where you're burning something important off for Japan. Right. But it's a really good match, you know? And I think that's where guys like Nagata and Kojima become valuable to them. Yeah, because they're stars and they're still unique enough. And yeah, you can have a random singles match between Tanahashi and Yuji Nagata, you, you know, just to throw out two yeah. names there. That like, again, you're never going to do that in Japan. It's never going to matter in Japan. It's never going to matter for anything other than maybe like a random G1 or a New Japan Cup, you know, opener or whatever. But like American fans, that'll be, that'll seem, okay, Yuji Nagata's a legend and Tanahashi's a legend. That's cool. I'll go watch that, man. Because that that's a match that would, I'd buy a ticket That's to see. That's got some appeal, it's, absolutely. Yeah, it's unique, it's different, you feel like you're getting a big-time match between two all-time legends or whatever, but it doesn't blow anything. That And that's going to be the issue, is like, you don't want to have Kotobushi versus Hiroshi Tanahashi on these shows, because you want to save that for Japan, and like, how much do you want to burn that for America? And that's going to be that, that delicate balance for them. So I'm right with you. This is where those other, those those guys that, you know, are, are, are just sitting around there and maybe not doing much, your, your Kojimas, your, your Nagatas. Even though Tanahashi this year, if he gets kind of winding down a little bit, he's still super valuable in a singles role. That's those guys now all kind of have to step up and do singles matches, I think, to really boost this a little bit. But even then, you're going to get a few years out of that, or maybe a year out of that, and then you're, it's like, okay, what's next? You know, <laughs> what's that next wave? Who are these new people? And and at some point, you're going to have to get to the, you know, having important matches, having title matches, having never before seen matches, having important matches on these shows. And and I don't know if they're prepared to do that. Well, you know, they did. They're doing a one tag title match too. I think if they just bump it up a little and, and do like, you know, if they do, I think if they did a show with Tanahashi versus Nagata and like Kojima versus somebody, Tomohiro Ishii or something, mm-hmm. and then you throw in a tag title match with Finn Juice, uh, you know, I, I think that would have probably sold out any of these buildings with the possible exception of Miami, you know, uh, because people are like, wow, you know, there, there's some appeal there. You know, and that feels like it's bigger than just a house show. These, even with the singles matches and even with the one title match, they still feel like house shows. The quality uptick isn't quite enough, and the ticket sales have shown that. And those third-gen guys that can still go, like Nagata and Kojima, throw Togi Makabe in there, I think those guys are the perfect guys to bring over here and put into singles matches. And Use, you know, throw those guys random U.S. or never title challenges, you know, and and those guys are going to lose, but those feel like bigger matches and they would make these shows not feel like house shows. I think that's the answer. Absolutely. Make them make them feel like they're. Yeah, yeah, that's the answer as opposed to here's a L.I.J. versus chaos eight man 
major show semis or mains. You can't do that. That's stupid. Um, you know, but but when you run Long Beach again, absolutely you run you know money matches, and they have. I don't think there's any complaints there. Um, but these shows, they really need to figure out how to balance all. Of them. Even more in America than he is in Japan, and that's maybe not entirely fair. But like American fans really do gravitate to Ishii. He's a guy that really does jump out, and people know him. And he's a very you know you know talk to anybody who even casually or, or hardcore watches you know New Japan for wrestling. Ishii's a guy that they really you know talk about and, and, and a guy they love. He's a guy I think they could utilize in big time singles matches as well. And that's it's a big reason why I think they've really done a bad job with that U.S. title as well because I think that U.S. title the idea was that be important enough that you can have it main event these shows and it feel important and it feel like it means something, but they really, I don't know, for whatever reason, they just haven't really gotten on track with the U S title. And they did it a little bit with Jay White and, and, and Cody. And they, they kind of had the wrong idea about who should have that U S title and how it should be defended or whatnot. And we're seeing kind of it right now. Like, I think that would be a great asset to have is, is somebody like a Tomohiro Ishii is that U S champion or whatever, and goes to America and defends it or whatever. There's ways to do that where you still feel like you're getting an authentic experience, but at the same time, you're not blowing anything that you would really. Uh, in Japan, but yeah, Ishii's a great name too to bring up too. I, w- I would add Ishii with that Nagata and, and, and Kojima as well as a guy who maybe doesn't get get the, the big time singles matches in Japan all that often, but could do that very much in America if, if you know if he's if he's willing to come over. And I mean, you know, just look at the way like when Ishii would go to Rev Pro, he was a main eventer. Yeah, right. Because right. you know that's exactly what you're talking about. These other markets see him as a bigger star than than he is used than he than the reality really is in Japan. And as far as the U.S. title, maybe that is the plan moving forward to center these tours around the U.S. title. But, you know, and to, to, to sort of make a smooth transition into our next discussion, but maybe they found out that Lance Archer is leaving and maybe that's why John Moxley is the U.S. champion. I mean, that's entirely possible, too, because Lance Archer is on every show of this tour in singles matches. So isn't it entirely possible that their plan was to headline or at least build the tour to some extent around Lance Archer and the U.S. title, but then he let them know, hey, I'm making this move to AEW after I fulfill all my commitments to you. And then they said, all right, well, now we got to get the title off of this fucking guy in in the Tokyo Dome. Do you think there's a possibility that that's the case? Because it is interesting that he's on this tour, but that for some reason they put the U.S. title back on Moxley. Right, and we, that was a surprise to us even at Wrestle Kingdom because it was like, okay, the two guys that you're probably going to want to have do that because they can wrestle in America for you in the Japan America is either Juice or, or, or Archer, and neither of those guys won. Like, no, none of us guessed that Moxley would come out of there because then you don't get to use that title on this tour. So it's definitely, uh, it's definitely a, 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 a good thought there. Uh, the reason we're bringing that up here, uh, Sports Illustrated, Justin Barrasso of uh, Sports Illustrated, uh, this is an article earlier this week. He said, quote, uh, All Elite Wrestling is expanding its roster. Uh, another potential acquisition for AEW Sports Illustrated has learned is New Japan star Lance Archer. Multiple sources close to AEW confirmed that Archer is in high-level talks with the company. He is currently scheduled uh, to, to run New Japan's tour of the United States, which begins Friday in Tampa and runs through February 1st in Atlanta. So it's kind of weird there. It starts out with expanding its roster, and that's mostly kind of wrapped around in the Brian Cage story, but they, they in a way, they kind of tell you, uh, you know, in that writing that they think Lance Archer, that sources close to them are saying Lance Archer. But what have, what have we heard? What do we think? What's our kind of guess? You're, you're right that his placement on this tour is a little weird, and the fact that he isn't the U.S. champion in this tour 
is a little weird as well because obviously, again, you want that U.S. title to be defended on these shows, but you give it to Moxley or Moxley walks out with it, so you can't really do that. But um, yeah, I don't know. What do you, what do you make of of Archer not being the guy and Archer not having that title? Because you could have just as easily given it to Juice too, but then you have the double Juice championship. And we talk, It was all clunky from the beginning for this, but yeah, what, what do we make of these Archer rumors uh, first and foremost? Well, I mean, this is all just conjecture, but I think Finn Juice is defending the tag titles on the tour. So it just, again, this is all just speculation for me. And Archer's working a bunch of singles, including shooting a little post-match angle with Yoshihashi in Japan to set up a match against him in the U.S. So it just makes, it's just me kind of thinking a little deeper on it. Okay, well, maybe he informed him he was leaving. And maybe that Yoshihashi match all along was intended to be a U.S. title match, which would have been, the perfect kind of match to headline an 800-seat building. Right, the US part of the course. They've done that before, too. Yeah. I mean, God, yeah. we've seen Kenny Omega <laughs> you know, come over and have a laughable you know, U.S. title match against uh, 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 Yoshiashi. So, yeah, it makes sense. I think that was a Ring of Honor match, uh, but your point stands. Right, right, but, right. But the idea being that like Lance Archer defending the U.S. title against Yoshihashi in the main event spot or the semi-main event spot of one of these shows, it fits. It fits too well. Um, but, but it's like um, – because, yeah, look – I don't know how you want to kind of tackle this one, but look, it's no secret that AEW had been pursuing Lance Archer. We have known that since the summer and since really, uh, you know, around G1 time when he really started to break out as a singles guy, uh, there was a lot of talk, uh, you know, uh, that AEW was was hot on his trail. Um, Then it quieted down for a while. He has never been under New Japan contract. I mean, that's something we've talked about for years, but that's something that he talked about publicly in an interview with, I forget who, where he said, yeah, I've just been tour to tour, um, you know, all these years, they've never signed me to any kind of deal. Um, so, so that, you know, was put out at some point last year that became official when he basically, um, said that on record in an interview but we've been telling people that for years so that was, he's a, fightful. That was a fightful interview by the way fightful. I give okay him for that so because it was very good yeah. that was an insightful interview they got a lot out of him and, and he's not a guy who really gives a lot very often so yeah that was that was a good job out of them no he's not he's very tight-lipped uh he doesn't like to discuss he he's let me put it this way he's not the kind of guy who is a quote-unquote dirt sheet source Trust me on that. He just isn't. That's not his MO. He doesn't like to, to discuss stuff like that. Um, is that fair enough to say and just leave it at that? It's just not really his thing. I mean, um, so, you know, that that was very revealing for him to admit that in that interview. But being not being under contract, he's free to sign with whoever he wants. I mean, and he's also not the kind of guy who's just going to, you know, if New Japan has him booked for this tour, and even if they have him booked for something, he's going to complete his obligations. Um, but look, it wouldn't stun me at all if he signs with AEW because I, I know that they've wanted him. And, uh, you know, it, it's obviously money talks. And um, if it's a good deal for him, he's going to take it. And he's he's has every legal right to take it, not being under contract. But I'm kind of I'm personally 50-50 on these reports in that I wouldn't be surprised if there's validity to them. But there's minor details within these reports that raise little mini red flags for me. Just knowing his personality and things that he's 
willing and not willing to reveal over the years. I don't, I don't know. I, Rich, I'm trying to be careful here. I, jump I, in I got say, you. Yeah, no, I mean, that we kind of picked up on was kind of like, oh, I don't know. And it was like, well, okay, we, it, it, I think we'd feel more comfortable if we had answers to those questions that we asked. And there's nothing really specific. It's just things. This from him. Okay. Go ahead and read the article. It's yeah, sources from close sources. to AEW. Yes. And we know who those sources are. Okay. Okay. That, I, I'll just say it. And, and I'm just saying it did. It, the story it did not get to Barrasso from Lance Archer, and Barrasso says that right in the piece. So I'm not. That's not. But it's important to make that distinction because he's not. Again, at least in our experience. He hasn't been the kind of guy who's been real loose-lipped about discussing. Okay, I can give one anecdote. This one I can give. Okay, probably about three, four years ago, there was talk that Killer Elite Squad was on their way to all Japan. Do you remember this, Rich? Uh, oh, yes. This, yeah, 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 yeah. This was not a public thing, but there was talk, you know, chatter among uh, people that they were on their way to all Japan. And it, it sounded suspicious to me. So I went right to Lance. You remember? And he kind of like laughed it off, but again, was very ambiguous right. in his response. A lot of winky faces, <laughs> winky face emojis or whatnot. We were like, ah, like what, what does that mean? Is that good? Is that bad? Like, what is that? He's just not a guy who, who it's like that stuff is closed off. He, he's old school. He protects the locker room. And, and, and his response was like, ah, you know, rumors and wrestling, that kind of thing. But, Still, it was ambiguous. So we went to Davy Boy. And Davy Boy was like, what? What the fuck are you talking about? I'm not talking to all Japan. <laughs> so then I was like, yeah, okay. Davy is not ambiguous. So, Usually you ask an answer no. to Davy Boy Smith, which is interesting. Yeah. His first response, I, I believe verbatim, was H-U-H question mark. He was like, huh? And then I explained further. All right, well, we heard that you guys are making this jump to all Japan. And then he responded back and was like, well, I've never talked to all Japan in my life. I don't know where you're, I have no idea what you're talking about. And the conversation ended up becoming very awkward because he had no clue what the fuck we were talking about. And then I was like, yeah, there is nothing to this. Right. And also we got the, Hey, who told you this? And we're like, ah, gotta go. (laughs) Bye. It's like, that's like the point I'm making here is the all Japan story was utter nonsense. There was zero basis to it. It was just a rumor that somehow got started that who knows? Things get started. There's rumors that we get rich every day. It's the pro wrestling industry, for God's sakes. Like one guy says one thing in the locker room and it it just gets passed around and passed around. It's the game. It's the biggest game of telephone is the pro wrestling industry is every minute of every day. There's a rumor going around that that just gets moved on from room to room, person to person. Now, especially DM box to DM box. Like, yeah, things go wild. So or one fan just has some conjecture and people treat it as, oh, well, this fan is connected, so it must be. And you know what I mean? And it just goes from it. Who knows? But my point here that I'm making with this anecdote is even with a story that was complete bullshit, like the All Japan story, is Hoyt was still very ambiguous with us. Eventually, he shot it down, I think. But after a lot of prying, and so my point here is, with something like this, where it may, if it has validity, he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who's just going to be very loose-lipped and sharing all of the de- There were so many details in this Barrasso story that raised red flags for me. 
you know, and, and, and some of the other details that are going around that I'm like, hmm, I don't know if he would be if he would willingly tell people uh, some of the things that are going around in regards to some of the, the details of the story. That's all. That's why I say would it surprise me at all? If he's going to AEW, not at all, because they've been talking to him. There's been interest since the summer. That is a fact. But where the you know the story and and how Barrasso got it, and the fact that it didn't come from Archer himself, and and, and the fact that it didn't come from Archer tells you kind of backs up what we're saying about him as a person and his personality. You know, he's not someone who is discussing things with. Uh, with the media and particularly with uh, the quote-unquote dirt sheets and whatnot. It's just not his MO. Right. So we'll see what happens with that. But if there is validity to it, it could explain why he's not the U.S. champion and why that title isn't being defended on this tour and why they may have just said, all right, you know what? We'll just put it back on Moxley if this guy's leaving. So, but that's just me I don't know. You know, I'm just connecting dots on that. And and we should say I haven't we haven't spoken to Lance Archer no, about, about no any clue. of this. We have no clue. Either. I mean, he wrote the book for it, so we should say that, I think. But it's like I don't think we've spoken with him since he wrote the book forward. I think that's the last conversation. Yeah, the last thing that last conversation I think was, hey, thanks and, and appreciate it and have a good one, you know, Merry Christmas or whatever. I think was the last uh, message I sent to him. So uh, that's right. it. Well, which would, if he does leave, it'll be two straight uh, uh, <laughs> authors that have uh, made their way to AEW or left uh, New Japan. So if you're trying to leave, let us know. Uh, we can maybe help facilitate if, your move to the next or level. Or if you guys, if you guys want someone to leave, then tell us who you'd like yes, us to hit yeah, up. Yeah, if there's, right if there's a particular wrestler that you hate and would love for him to uh, uh, disappear from New Japan for wrestling, just let us know. We'll, uh, we'll work in the DM box and, and see what we can do right away. So We should really uh, – oh, never mind. I would you – know, <laughs> No, go ahead. No, come on. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. What I was going to say was we should really get Bad Luck Folly to write that forward. Oh, I will – you know but what? The, not a bad idea. Let me, uh, let me jot that down. The thing, the thing about it, though, the is – underboss is interested. <laughs> here's the thing. His presence doesn't offend me anymore because they don't really feature him at all. No, he's just a yeah, he's just kind of a dude that comes out and he's just kind of lump of shit and then he get he leaves and then you don't really like he's not in those main events with Okada anymore. He's just no. like a lump of shit that comes in and like like what was really bad is like the G1. Like I don't want to see him in the G1 this year. If he if he's not in the G1 this year, then I have no issues with Valak Folly no wandering around uh whatsoever. <laughs> but that's that's the thing that gets me is like if he's in G1s, I'm like no 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 no, no. you're taking up a spot that could be used yeah. by somebody, anybody else. So that that's my only little bit uh, of a concern is that, yeah, he takes up that spot. But, yeah, otherwise, you know, 11 months out of the year, I don't really give a shit. He just comes out, and I'm like, oh, yeah, Padlock Folly. And then he's out, and I'm like, okay, cool, thanks, bye. He, he, he shows up with his cigar, and he uh, – Because I don't give know, a fuck T-shirt. And <laughs> yeah, his T-shirt that says he doesn't care. And uh, basically, it, the, his pin me, pay me uh, job squad T-shirt, which uh, he was wearing for a while. What, what did his say? It said something like uh, – Remember the old Job Squad t-shirts that Al yes. Snow? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, of course, of course, yeah. Well, he had the yeah. I don't care, I don't I don't know, I don't care, I don't give a fuck shirt. That's what he uh, was wearing a little bit earlier uh, right. this year. But yeah, he's got the other one. Yeah, it was like, uh, oh, what was that shirt? There was, yeah, it was, it was a pin me, pay me type thing. It was, and it pissed me off because I don't like that shit. Like, you know, it's like, we all know the deal, but you don't have to rub our faces in it. I don't like the job squad stuff bothered me. The whole era bothered me. And that shirt, when he wore that, it really fucking bothered. And I think I went off on it on this show. You did. Yeah. It, I can't, uh, I can't seem to find it right now. And unfortunately, uh, 
it's not a lot of searches for Path of Folly coming up here, but I'll I'll see if I can find it's it. But like, yeah, I remember like what a, it was. It was annoying as hell. So yeah, we get it. It's a work, but you don't have to rub our face in it and tell us that you don't care about losing matches. That shit bothers me. When I'm when I sit down to watch a fucking three hour New Japan show, I want to get lost in the fucking suspension of disbelief. Is that too much to ask? Can I suspend my disbelief for three hours without you telling me that it that you don't give a shit that you're losing matches? I mean, that really fucking annoyed me. So yeah, there's three here that I don't know if this is any of the three that you got upset about. There's one that says no jobbers, no wrestling. Uh, there's another one that says make jobbers great again. And then there's yeah, the I, many emotions of Bad Luck Folly, which is just him making the same face as it. Uh, yeah, it's 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 they're just so cutesy and inside, and I hate that shit. Don't wear that shit in the ring. I don't even have a problem with those shirts. As long as you don't wear them into the ring, you wear. Do not wear a shirt into the ring in New Japan Pro Wrestling that is 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 you know ironically fucking addressing the fact that you're a fucking jobber. I I hate that shit. That shit is for the U.S. Indies. That's not for New Japan. You want to wear that shit on a redacted show? I'm not going to say the names of any of these fucking promo. Then that's fine. Okay, don't. Do that in New Japan, where I still kind of fucking one of the last places I can wreck it down. <laughs> the, the last and, bastion, yeah. yeah, and watch a wrestling show and actually give a shit about who wins and loses and and suspend my disbelief. Do it against fu- you want to wear that shirt against fucking Tooth Guy and some fucking cornfield somewhere. I don't have a problem with it because I don't take that shit seriously anyway, and neither do any of the people there. They're there to see that fucking irony shit, but I don't want that. It really bugged me. As you can see, I'm I'm standing up and I'm fired <laughs> it's up. Like about three it. years ago, it's just bothering you all over again. I love it. Yeah, it's it's. Fuck, man, that fucking bothered me. I don't want it. it, it look, if he wore that shirt, if someone wore a shirt like that on a fucking blood sports show, I'd be just as pissed off. Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. And and I'm like, I'm right with you, man. I, I wrote my I did the profile for him in the ebook this year, uh, and he had the you know I don't I don't know I don't care and I don't give a fuck. And I w- I basically just said I really hope New Japan replaces you with somebody who knows, cares, and gives a fuck because I don't really want to see you. I don't want to invest. It's a company that invests itself and, and and takes itself so seriously and 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 prides itself on on the in ring work and prides itself on all these sort of things. And you got a guy out here who is wearing a shirt that says I don't give a fuck, and it's like fuck off then. All right, go away. Yeah, go go do spanking spots with Dan the Dad. I, I, just leave me alone and get out of the. <laughs> That's fucking a great book. I, I I would not mind Bad Luck Folly in in Irony Bullshit Wrestling in 2020 would actually be all right. I, yeah. I think I'd be okay with it because I would watch any of it, but I you know see a gif or two and go, oh, that's hilarious, and then you know move on. But or just hang out in your dojo with the wheelman and pump out your trainees. I don't have a problem with that either. Just you know the the, the t shirts though. Yeah, that, that that shit really rubbed me the wrong way. Anyway, uh, that's the uh, anything else on these New Japan shows? Or? That's it. Yeah, we're gonna see how it goes this weekend. We'll keep an eye on these. Uh, I have no idea. If, uh, they it's hard to find out if and when these are ever gonna show up on New Japan World. Uh, I know the ones from last year showed up like a month later at the point where like I don't think I watched any of them because I was I know that there was some good stuff on those shows but yeah a month in, in in our world is is two years basically at this point you know God Russell Kingdom was was what twenty days ago Joe and it's like you know, it feels like another universe uh, you know Russell Kingdom so yeah it's like um, I don't know when they're gonna show up there's there, there's nothing on the schedule yet for them so I'm sure they'll pop up at some point but yeah who, who the hell knows so can you believe they had an entire tour since Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, they did. Yeah, right. It's crazy. They're starting their their second tour since wrestling. <laughs> By the way, before we move on, how much of a Fantastic Mania did you watch? All I saw was the first shitty show from Osaka. That's it. Okay, I did a review for one of the shows, and I will tell you, Joe, and it's you're not going to believe me. You're not yeah. going to believe me. Okamura yeah. and Stuka Junior is fantastic. I 
I'm I not lying. Ricardo Gaios, who, who does our reviews for Fantastic Mania 2, he will back me up. And he's not a man who will lie. He's a, he's a very truthful, very, very trustworthy man. He will agree with you as well. It's great, Striga, man. You know, Alan, Alan 4 said, no way. Yeah. And Striga came to my back and said, no, Alan, <laughs> I'm telling you. It's like you can't describe it, but you got to see it. I'm telling you, you, you will love that match. You will love Okamura. it. Okamura and Stuka Jr. He worked hard. He worked his ass off, Joe. Stuka Jr., fine. I mean, I, I can buy it. Yeah, I no, mean, I, I was surprised, too. That match, it was going on, and I'm working on something else. I have it on in the background, assuming, yeah, this is going to be. And I look around, and they're just bumping their asses off, flying all over the ring, doing shit. I'm like, what is going on here? What the hell is this? And I just got enthralled, man. It was so good. I'm telling you, it, it's, it's unbelievable how good that match was. Did Stuka do the uh, backwards trust fall dive from yep. the turnbuckles to the outside yeah, the ring? Yeah, he, he, he did, like, five spots here. I like, love that spot. God, dude. I was like, how that are guy you walking? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he don't look like a fucking prime athlete. No, God, no. Yeah, that's what I said. I, I, I tried to find the nicest way to say uh, he, he he carries a lot of weight. <laughs> like, because when he falls, there's like this noise. Because like, he's doing falls that like, you know, the little guys will do all the time. Like, Robbie Eagles will do those same spots, and it's like, all right, yeah, Robbie Eagles just did it. But, like, he lands, and you just hear, like, a boom, like, on the ground, and the whole cork and hall is, like, shaking because he's, he's a large fella, and he's doing these moves. Yeah, I'm telling you, Joe, fantastic match. I know his spots. Cubs fan and Rob Viper are going to be proud of me. I know his spots. I know. See, Rob Viper didn't believe stuff. me. Rob Viper didn't believe me that it was a good match, so. Yeah. I watched a lot of fucking Lucha last year, and I, I, I know I didn't talk about any of it on the show. But my God, did I watch a shit ton of Lucha. I watched more indie Lucha than most of the humans on Earth last year. You, Rich, you want to know about fucking Arez and Latigo and Aramis? <laughs> you know. I, I can tell you about Arez, Latigo, and Aramis. Believe me, those three guys must have wrestled each other a thousand times in various combinations. Uh, throw Laredo Kid in there, too. Um, I need a little break from the indie. I got to take a couple months off from the indie Lucha. I'll get back in if there's interest. In it. But my God, I watched so much. I watched more Lucha last year. Here's a funny thing. I watched more Lucha last year than I've probably watched since I was fucking way into, like, tapes in, like, when AAA was hot in, like, 94, 95, when I was getting all those tapes. Probably watched more Lucha than I have in, in how long? It was that, 25 years ago, I guess? And almost none of it was CMLL. How crazy is that? Between the indie Lucha and AAA and fucking the junkyard lucha until i got tired of it because it was so fucking repetitive it's like tr- cmll was like barely a- I-, I watched all the cavernarial matches that people recommended and that was about it you know and maybe a couple other matches here or there but uh it's just crazy that in a year where i watched more lucha than than almost ever and maybe ever so little of it was from arena mexico yeah they, but, they had a weird year uh they've had a weird few years as well because there was you know a time when we were doing the show where like CMLL was like blowing away AAA. Like it was like one of the, I mean, we, it, it oh, got yeah. votes. It was, you know, in match of the year, it was always, you know, right, right there. It was like the best represented Lucha promotion. And now, yeah, like I'm going, we're going through match of the year right now and, and ballots are coming in and like, dude, there is no CMLL right now. Like, I don't know if no. there's a new guy who's going to, uh, there's some guy who's about to vote with, you know, 10 straight CMLL matches, but right now uh, he might be the first 10 CMLL matches. As far as I can tell, I don't think there's been a single one and there's been a lot of other Lucha, you know, represented, but yeah, not a single CMLL match. So I don't think you're alone in, in the, uh, people not watching CMLL at all. It is uh, it is out of sight, out of mind uh, right now, it seems, so it's pretty crazy. I'll give people one quick one if they want to watch. Uh, Teton versus Templario from uh, from the 5th of January. It's a lightning match. 
good little match. You want to jump back into CMLL. And that's this year? That's 1-5 this year? Yeah, January 5th this year. Okay, yeah. all right, cool. Teton Supply. I reviewed it behind the paywall. Patreon.com slash Voice of the Wrestling. If you want to uh, read the review of Teton versus Templario. I also talk more shit about Gato Move in that review. So <laughs> Get a few more people all, mad, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All 17 of the Gato Move fans could get mad at me again. Um you know, for making fun of the dopey wrestling and the dentist. Look, if they throw the five dollars down, they can uh, they can threaten you all they want. So yeah, absolutely, <laughs> just pay the five bucks, and then you know. Do you know what else I reviewed in that same review? Did you even know this? Uh, this existed. You know, Masashi Takeda had a death match in Brick, New Jersey, against something called Brandon Kirk. No, I did. <laughs> oh, you know what? You know, I saw that link. And I was just like, what the hell? And I looked and I was like, man, that looks like an arena in like America. I assumed it was like a Japan thing because I remember I remember that link going around and I saw that link. And and yeah, the, the arena looked there was like visible basketball hoops or whatever. And it looked like a, a shitty, dingy, like, you know, basketball arena park district building around here. And I was like, well, that doesn't make sense because that dude was in Japan like all of early January. So did he fly over for that one thing and then fly right back? Listen to this. You're never going to believe this. He worked zero one on New Year's Day. Uh-huh. Cork and show. Right, okay. right. The next day, he worked a barbed wire board death match in Big Japan okay. on the second. On the third, he worked a freedom show. Uh-oh. We're getting pretty close to the fifth. In, in Shinkiba first ring, right? Gets on a plane, flies 14 hours to New Jersey, where it is still the third because he traveled back in time. And he wrestled Brandon Kirk in Brick, New Jersey on the 3rd as well. Holy shit. Unbelievable. So he wrestled two death matches are you, in are you one following day on two continents. Yes. Yes. Two death matches. <laughs> Listen, two death matches in one day in two different countries, like 28 hours apart. None of that makes sense, but it's all true. Okay? Because he traveled back in time to come to New Jersey where it was still January 3rd when he, then he hops off a plane Probably jet lagged, still scarred up from the freedom set. Yeah, did he still have blood on him during the entire <laughs> like when did he have time to do anything? Rich, in Brick, New Jersey, for some some promotion called Saw, which I've never heard of. Okay. And and wrestles another death match against Brandon Kirk and Rich. If you think Masashi Takeda took it easy in this death match, you would be wrong. The scissors were out, the gl- the panes of glass were out. He was bleeding less than a minute into the match. This is a legitimate effort. He, he, no, would anyone have blamed him for mailing it in? Coming straight from the airport. Now, let me tell you, there's no international airport in Brick, New Jersey. I can guarantee you he landed in Philly and then drove 45 minutes to Brick. Jeez, yeah, he's at the Brick Police Athletic League Center. What the fuck? Yeah. So, you know, the guy spends 14 hours on the plane. Okay, so it's, we're not done. The next day, he goes up to Jersey City and wrestles low-key for ICW. So he got booked for the low-key match, right? But then he decided to make a little pit stop in Brick, New Jersey to wrestle on this no-nothing show. And, and he wrestles a death match and carves himself up in the process. He did not have to do that. But he, he actually squeezed in an extra booking instead of taking a fucking day off before he wrestled low-key. On the fourth, unbelievable! This guy, yeah, I'm looking at, I'm looking at his cage match right now. He has, he had five matches in the first four days of January on two different continents. And you're, and the saw match isn't even on there because it's so low profile. Uh, it is no, the saw match is on there. Oh, somebody, it's on, somebody on there now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that 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 
That accounts. Yeah, it's number one, like you said, zero one on, on New Year's Day. That's just a tag team title match. Uh, Barbed Wire Death Match, uh, Barbed Wire Board Death Match on the second. And then the uh, death match on the third, the normal one contender, sh- I, the, the the working of Freedom Show and a Saw Don't Cross the Boss in Brick, New Jersey on the same night is just, oh my God, that's incredible. It's so uh, good. Technically the same day. Yeah. Unbelievable. And then, yeah, then Waiting for the Hall on the fourth. And then finally, thankfully, took uh, uh, nine days off before back to uh, Cork and Hall for Big Japan. So Now, if you want to circle back to December 30th, he worked a double shot on December 30th for Big Japan and then he worked for um, OWE. He worked a double shot. He took the 31st off, but that's two more matches. If you want to go all the way back to 1230, so that's seven matches in six days in two different continents. <laughs> and and four of them were death matches. Unbelievable. And say, so were- is that a good death match? Should I go check that one out? It's it's it's. Yeah, I mean, I went. I thought I saw a, there was a link popping around, right? Is that that's probably how you found it too, right? It was yeah. Just, these so. are everything I, I do YouTube reviews. They're all YouTube matches I review behind the paywall, so they're all out there. All you gotta do is search them. So it's it's Masashi Takeda versus Brandon Kirk, uploaded by Brandon Kirk, by the way. <laughs> I see that. <laughs> so, that's awesome. The guy's proud. I mean, it's probably the biggest match of his <laughs> yeah, life. Absolutely, but, you know, go for it, man. Yeah. So and, and and yeah, it was good. I almost put it in a notebook. It's Takeda. He's the best. Who's better than Takeda at the deathmatch, Rich? Like, who in a deathmatch? Who do you want to see in a deathmatch? No, why do you think I said, should I watch this, Joe? I mean, if this was, like, normal deathmatch geek number nine, I'd be like, I don't fucking care. But yeah, Takeda fucking rules. I've always said he's a good wrestler that does deathmatches. And that's a huge distinction for for him, yeah. I set you up for the stop yelling at me, I agree, but you didn't. (laughs) It's cool. It's cool. It's all right. But, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, he's tremendous. You know, he's a great, that's exactly what he is. He's a great wrestler. Who happens to do death matches? He had the scissors and everything. I'm sure he didn't fly in with him. <laughs> yeah, I don't be so sure. Did I, did I tell you one time? Oh God, probably about I don't know how many years ago, many companies ago. I went on a business trip, and uh, I drove this dude, you know, to the airport. He rode to the airport with me, and uh, a guy in his mid fifties, you know, mild mannered. And um, we get to the airport security, and the air and um, the security, like the buzzers start going off and shit. And it's like this guy that I'm traveling with. I'm like, what the fuck? Right. And they pull us both aside. This motherfucker had garden shears in his suitcase, like giant Brutus, the barber beefcake level fucking scissors or garden shears or something. And, and they were like, you can't bring this on an airplane. (laughs) They're like, what do you think? Like, what was your plan? And I'm and I'm like disavowing the guy. Yeah, never like, heard, hey, never was, seen him, never know. Yeah, I, I don't was, even know this guy. I, this fucking guy. I, I drove him to the airport. He's been with the company like a week, which was a shoot. I'm like, I don't know nothing. Okay, I I don't know anything. Please, sir, can I go? I'll go home if you want. I just because I think we're going to jail. I think they think we're terrorists, and we're gonna try to take down this plane because this guy's got this giant. I, I swear to you, they were either the world's biggest pair of scissors. Or they were literally like garden shears that you would trim your hedges with, and he had this in his fucking suitcase. Yeah, like throw it, throw it in like the yeah, <laughs> not, not the carry on, dude. Come on. And 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 they let us eventually after they questioned us, they let us go. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck are you thinking? And he was like, oh, I just I like to bring office supplies when I travel. I don't know what kind of work I'm going to have to do. I'm like, those weren't. Where are like, you? Where like the need of a scissor is going to be that much of a big deal? Where nobody has a pair of scissors, and there's not like a convenience store within like two miles of you that you can go get a pair of scissors. Exactly. I'm like, dude, why you could buy scissors at the other end of the flight, like, or just 
we're gonna be staying in like a Marriott. Just call down to the front desk and be like, <laughs> hey, give you a pair of scissors. <laughs> yeah, like we're staying in a decent place. Like it's not like scissors are this unattainable fucking thing. It's you go to fucking go to the fucking go to a goddamn Walgreens and buy a fucking ten dollar pair of scissors when we get to fucking Omaha. We were going to Omaha of all places. Uh, shout out hype Gotti. And and it's like I heard it's lovely this time of year. Was it around this time of year? Because uh, where are you going with that? I'm just making fun of Omaha. I don't think. Oh, you're making fun of. I don't think it's ever lovely there in Omaha. Was the joke? No, but. it was not. It was not. Um, it, yeah, you know where else I used to go a lot for that job? Wichita, Kansas. Ooh, real, real hot destinations. Omaha. And, uh, <laughs> I can see Wichita. why you're not in that job anymore. So. <laughs> yeah, well, believe me, it. You know, I don't fly much for work anymore. Well, I don't fly at all. But uh, back when I did, it was always shitty. Fucking. The other one was uh, Pittsburgh, Kansas. Not Pittsburgh. Oh, <laughs> I was like Pittsburgh's fine. Oh, Pittsburgh, Kansas. Pittsburgh, I didn't know Pittsburgh, Kansas existed. What is uh, what's in Pittsburgh, Kansas? Well, that's where I had the three way with the pair of cousins that didn't tell me they were related. Until oh, after. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I didn't know that. So Pittsburgh, I, Kansas. So. I, yeah, I banged these two girls in Pittsburgh, Kansas, and then after I banged them, they're like, well, "Yeah, we're cousins." And I was like, "What?" I thought they were joking. They were like legitimately cousins, but they didn't say anything until after I banged them. It was really weird. But uh, that's what else am I going to do in Pittsburgh, Kansas, Rich? I mean, you know. There's a three-way on the table. You take it. Yeah, you know, no, Pittsburgh, them, Kansas, for sure, yeah. One of them was highly questionable, but it, it, listen, it's a three-way. You got to do what you got to do. But, <laughs> if, if half of it's good, then, you know, that's all that matters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, you don't know they're going to turn out to be cousins. But, yeah, this guy tried to fly to fucking Omaha with, like, garden shears. Totally bizarre. <laughs> trying to work. That's, that doesn't make any – but there's always and, – and anytime you ever fly, there's always that guy in line that, like, can't believe that he can't bring – X on a plane or whatever. Yes. Like, no, you can't bring like a, you bought him like a blowtorch or like, you know what I mean? There's always like, I, I'm trying to remember, there was a guy, I, he brought in, oh, I'm trying to remember what it was in a recent one. And it was like, everybody kind of laughed and we're like, come on, dude, like, where have you been that you can't like, you know, of course you can't do that. It's like, like, it, I assume that everybody in line has never flown before or has not flown since 9 11. And it's like, because there's always like guy who complains about taking his shoes off guy. And it's like, bro, come on, man. (laughs) We we know this. I don't like it. Nobody likes it. But it's just the thing we have to do now. So just like there's always like, I got to take my shoes off. And I'm like, what? That was 20 years ago, dude. Like, yes, you have to take your shoes off. Sorry. What do you mean I can't bring on 28 ounces of liquid? Right. Oh, liquid guy. There's always liquid guy. It's like, I just thought that. And I'm like, well, yeah, but like, I know it sucks. I don't agree. But like, yeah, those are kind of the rules that we play by now. We've been playing by these rules for, you know, 15, 20 years now. So sorry. I know it sucks, but come on. Yeah. By now, I mean, there's no excuses. I, you know, it's, it's been long enough now where people should know, but, uh, yeah, so I doubt Takeda like flew in with the scissors, but they had scissors ready for. Well, that's him. amazing that they had scissors yeah. in another town <laughs> that he didn't bring yeah, it's in. Crazy. So, yeah, crazy. Scissors alert. only exist in you know you buy your one pair of scissors your entire life and that's it. <laughs> and, and, and again, I stress these weren't fucking scissors anyway. These things were huge. They had handles. It wasn't like the it wasn't the thing. Okay, a standard scissor has two holes for your fingers, right? And then you just. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I I understand what scissors look like. Though. Yes, thank <laughs> now, you. <laughs> now picture Brutus the Barber Beefcake with the right the shears. Yeah, these had handles. Like they weren't quite the Brutus Beefcake size, but they were. It definitely had handles and not loops. Is what, what I'm what saying. What kind of work were you doing that would require that? Because I, I think I know what, what you were doing at that time. And I'm trying to figure out what you were using scissors for. Rich, there's no work we were doing at that time. 
that required scissors like, to stapler. Begin. Maybe I kind of get a stapler, but then like again, you'll probably be able to find a stapler somewhere. You can that- buy. Yeah, how much is a fucking stapler? You buy one at the drugstore. You throw it out before you go home. Who cares? It's eight dollars. Did, did he? There's nothing that would have required scissors to be, and nothing you can't borrow from a decent hotel. Again, we weren't staying in a fucking. We weren't staying at Motel Six. We were in a nice place. You can ask them for things, and they'll give them to you. You know, especially stuff like that. And again, he didn't need it. Rich, all we needed to do our work was a fucking laptop. Okay, you're not fucking cutting things or stapling things. I don't know what this man was planning. Maybe he was going to hijack. I think, I think that's actually your, 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 the conclusion I've come to is, yeah, he, he was planning on hijacking that plane. And you maybe got away uh, just in the right, right nick of time. So good for him. Not even, and like carry on. He's bringing this on the carry on. <laughs> that is pretty impressive. Couldn't believe it. He didn't last very long either. They canned the guy like a couple months after we got back. So I don't – He, who knows? Maybe he was a fucking murderer. I have no idea. But uh, Takeda Brandon Kirk, yeah. That, the, Patreon.com slash Voice Wrestling. You can read my review on that too. I'm not going to give away my stars. You want that? You pay. Actually, the written reviews too. $1, Rich. $1 tier. That's it? $1? Are you kidding? $1. That's $1? right. Might as well be free. All the written reviews on the $1 tier. Not for long. But for now, the written reviews – or on the $1 tier. You go in and read them all, all the YouTube reviews. Um, so anyway, that was uh, Takeda, Brandon Kirk. Those are the three matches I did. Let me plug it a little further here. We got, ah, uh, uh, shit, that's not it. It was uh, Takeda Kirk. It was uh, Teton Templario. And I reviewed, what was the third? Oh, Daishi Hashimoto versus Yuji Okabayashi from Big Japan on the second. So those reviews are all up. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network. And I just want to let you know about a brand new sponsor we have for the network. It's Eufy. And let me tell you a little bit about their newest product, the Eufy Video Smart E330. This isn't your everyday smart lock. This is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell offering triple the security and triple the convenience. Instead of loading up your door with a bunch of different devices, you install one, and it takes care of everything in a complete package. It's not just about the home security, though. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is also for convenience. No more worrying about losing keys. You can let each member of your family get a password. You can monitor their movement in and out of the house. You can keep an eye on your packages. You can check in on your house while you're away. There is so much you can do with this product. Best of all, it is easy to install and set up. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver. Leave that drill in the toolbox. The Eufy has keyless entry, a 0.3 second fingerprint recognition, a rechargeable battery with a four month lifespan, two-way audio from the lock, enhanced night vision, 24-7 customer support, and you'll love this, none of those pesky monthly fees. Eufy sent me a SmartLock 330 and I've loved it so far. It allows me peace of mind when I'm at work or when I'm away on one of my patented vacations. Plus, it helps me keep track of deliveries to the house, saves me a trip back to the car if I just need to run in for something and I forgot my keys, and the two-way audio system works well for those unwanted guests at my front door. No, I do not need new siding or windows or a roof. Thank you, though. You can simply tell them you aren't interested from the comfort of your couch. Now, are you ready to ditch the others and join the Eufy revolution? Of course you are. Get started today by searching Eufy Video Lock on your search engine of choice. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can finally, once and for all, gain complete control of your door. Once again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock 
ufiofficial.com slash video lock. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network. And where, where is that? Where can I find that? And for how much? Patreon.com slash Voice of Wrestling. And all the written reviews are on the $1 tier. Might as well be free. Unbelievable. Good stuff there. Anyway, uh, let's get to some of the other stuff going on this weekend as well. So we got a bunch of different shows. We'll start in WWE land. Uh, we'll start with the World's Collide show. So this is not a takeover weekend. This is a World's Collide show. Again, not a takeover. Um, a little bit of an interesting idea here. Essentially, it's a kind of an NXT versus NXT UK branded show. It's it's a little weird. I think a lot of people might not really know that it's happening. I can't believe it's happening uh, in the Toyota Center. Uh, before we you know kind of get into the nuts and bolts of the show and talk about some of the big matches, are, are you are you getting a feel for this World Collide show? Because I've, I've watched the last few NXTs. I've been you know keeping up with NXT for a little bit, and I don't I don't feel like I have any feel for this World Collide show whatsoever. It, it it definitely doesn't feel like a takeover, and it definitely just feels like a show that I cannot believe is running in the Toyota Center the night prior to the Royal Rumble. Where where, where are you at with this uh, World's Collide show? Well, I don't know about the Conan C and Cara's cage match, but I think uh, Los Gringos Locos <laughs> Octagon and and uh, in the in the hair versus mask match Octagon and Julio Del Santo could be a real banger. So I don't know what you're talking about, Rich. Um, you know, Chris Benoit is on that show, Too Cold Scorpio. Uh, so uh, we are talking about when worlds collide. I wish we were. I- I'd rather talk about that. You got a little Madonna's boyfriend there hanging out. I think where it was. Yeah, Madonna's boyfriend is too much psychosis. And uh, yeah, no, there's some good stuff on that show. I, we should rather, I'd rather talk about that show than this world's collide for sure. I remember uh, back in 94, 95 or whatever when that was, or 96, whatever, uh, when I would talk to people about uh, wrestling tapes, I'd be like, yeah, if you're going to order from from all the old RF video, if you're going to order from the Kid Toucher down in Philly, there wasn't revealed that he was Kid Toucher yet, of course. Um, you got to get When Worlds Collide. You got to get what great fucking show, right? I tell people, and every fucking time, like two or three different times, people would be like, "The fuck are you talking about? This is a very average ECW show." I'm like, "ECW." They would send people the ECW When Worlds Collide oh, from no. like 1994, which is a very different show. Then the uh, the the AAA ninety four uh, yeah ninety four for that one. There's a there's an ECW show from ninety four called When Worlds Collide, which caused a lot of confusion in the uh, in the you know black market you know tape market in those days. Uh, oh, yeah, this getting... show sucks. Yeah, this show's garbage. Yeah, yeah. So Sabu and Bobby Eaton defeat Terry Funk and Arn Anderson in the main event. Well, that was big news when Eaton and Arn came. Yeah, in. yeah, that is kind of cool, I guess, but so, doesn't sound um, very good. Um, but it's a very average EC though. It's not considered one JT of the JT Smith uh, and the Bruise Brothers defeat Shane Douglas, Mr. Hughes, and Public Enemy in a handicap elimination match. Huh. Yeah, I, I don't remember the story behind that, but it will be covered on November to Remember behind the paywall. $5 tier, patreon.com slash voices of wrestling. I'm in 1993 now, uh, but I will get, you know, 94 is right around the corner. So I'll break down when worlds collide, believe me, when we get there. But, uh, uh, very different show. That's not a legendary show. The When Worlds Collide AAA show, the Ron Scholar IWC AAA, that's a legendary show. Worlds Collide coming up this Saturday, Rich. Um, I think it has a chance to be good. It's not going to be a legendary show. But uh, uh, they're not selling many tickets, I can tell you that. We thought that was a mistake from the start, running Toyota Center for this thing. 
I just don't think the American audience gives a single shit about anything NXT UK. Right. That- and, and and no, and that's a huge issue with the show because given that it, it is all NXT versus NXT UK, it's like, okay, that, that you know, that makes sense at, at its core. And there are some teams that are representing NXT UK that do kind of cross over into mainstream NXT stuff. But then there's also like, you know, Ilya Dragnov is in like a singles match. And I don't know that that's selling a single ticket. You know, especially in Houston, Texas or whatever. I, I don't know that, you know, uh, the Imperium, you know, being in the main event or whatever is selling any tickets here. It's just a very weird show. It just doesn't I, like and like I said, you know, watching the NXT shows in the lead up to it, I just don't have a good feel for the show. I don't feel excited about the show. I don't feel like anything's really been built up all that well. Like there's some OK stuff that's going on. There's Walter versus the Undisputed Era, I guess, has a little bit of, of juice to it. Ray, Rhea Ripley and, and Tony Storm has a little bit of juice to it. But a lot of the other stuff just kind of seems thrown together and just sort of I don't know. I just does not. It doesn't feel like a show that should be on that Saturday before the Royal Rumble. They've sort of set the standards there with takeovers. And anybody that bought a ticket thinking they were going to get a takeover level show. They're, I don't know if they're going to be super happy, and 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 it looks like you know from the the bigger news story is that people are realizing that this is not a takeover level show, and they're not buying tickets accordingly. Yeah, they, look, I think they're trying because if you, I don't know if you saw NXT this week, I did. Yeah, you did. Okay, so basically every segment, or just about every segment, they pushed Worlds Collide. They're pushing that Tony Storm, uh, Rhea Ripley match is not on the show, and yeah. they're pushing mm-hmm. that. They they gave Ilya Dragunov a, a pre-tape, and uh, you know last week they had Finn Balor talking about Ilya Dragunov, and they pushed the Grizzled Young Vets into the uh, Dusty Classic Final. Pretty much every segment they did something to push Worlds Collide, and on the UK Takeover show they obviously did the big angle at the end with Undisputed Era running in to attack Imperium, and Imperium cost. Undisputed Era, the match against Grizzled Young Vets on NXT last night. They're trying. I, I, I really, I don't think, I mean, you can't call it a good build if it doesn't sell tickets, but I think they're, the, the problem isn't the build. I think the problem is there is no, NXT, NXT UK has no, has zero footprint in the United States. No one cares. No one pays attention to it. Nobody cares. And these matches that they're setting up have zero appeal to even the core NXT audience, because even the NXT audience pays no attention to NXT UK. So I think that's the issue. It also doesn't help that Walter got squashed at Survivor Series, which is even more baffling in hindsight because you're, he was going to, you knew he's main eventing this show. Like, and that's your chance to expose him. Why am I even doing this? I mean, the, <laughs> don't bother. Don't yet. Yeah, like, don't even bother. They, like they were ever gonna think about that, but like, if you, if you were running things, wouldn't you have thought about that? Like, I can draw money with this man, and I'm probably headlining with him in two months in a fucking basketball arena. Maybe not beat him in thirty seconds, right? I mean, in hindsight, it's like maybe he should have got a similar rub that like Keith Lee did in that match. To, to establish him because you need him to draw but they don't think like that anymore you know and um you know all of these things it's like i just don't think anyone cares and it's it's being reflected i mean i, I haven't looked at the chart the last time i looked at the chart was uh when someone posted it about a week and a half ago and it was dire 
It's a huge fucking building. It's a big one, too. Yeah, for people that don't know about the Toyota Center or whatever, this is a big basketball arena, too. This isn't like you're kind of, you know, like, you know, in Chicago, we have the Allstate Arena, which holds, you know, 12,000, 13,000, 11,000 for wrestling if you really want to. Like, this is a big deal. The Toyota Center is a large, large arena, and I still cannot play. believe. It's a yeah. Rockets it's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I I forget what it's set up for for wrestling, but it's it, it's eighteen thousand plus for basketball. Yeah. Um, so I mean it's 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 a big capacity for this arena, and it is it is unbelievable when I when I read off this card that this is what they're presenting to to the you know that sort of basketball arena. It just seems like a a weird idea if they knew ahead of time that this was kind of the show they were going to run, and and knowing how they treat NXT UK and how they really treat NXT to the larger audience, it, it, it is. It's baffling that they decided to book, you know, this arena for that and 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 but whatever. We'll see. We'll see the day of. But yeah, it does not look like it's good. And I don't know that the walk up's gonna really uh really save it either. I guess they're hoping that enough people, you know, go to the Royal Rumble and decide they're gonna be there for the whole weekend and then decide to do this. But like again, like you said, half of this card is like not enticing to anybody. You know, the the interpromotional turmoil between NXT and NXT UK, I mean nobody really gives a shit about that. So they would have been better served probably just doing yeah. a takeover. Yeah. It's not resonating with any American fans, it just isn't. So yeah, they absolutely would have been better just doing a takeover. Um, but but yeah, let's let's run it down from the top. I'm not even sure I know this entire card. No, so. and like I don't think most people do. <laughs> it's it's a surprise. And I watch here. I watch NXT every week. Well, and that's what I, I mean. Watch. Like I I know that they're trying to do it, but I don't know that the build's any good. Like it, like I know that they're trying to tell you the show is coming. But the excitement level is hard to really get in. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. they can tell you all the time that this person is facing this guy and that guy is facing this guy and these people are feuding and it's all going to, you know, collide at, at, at World's Collide or whatever. But, like, you know, I, there's no feel for it. Like you said, there's some matches on the list here where you're going to go, oh, that's the match. Okay. Uh, main event, presumably, <laughs> right now is Imperium. Uh, Walter, Fabian Eichner, uh, Marcel Bartel, and Alexander Wolf versus the Undisputed Era. It's obviously Adam Cole, O'Reilly, Fish, and Roger Strong. So it's the eight-man tag is presumably our main event so far. Yeah, it's it's they're counting on undisputed era drawing the house. The problem is we already discussed the issues with Walter, right? They've done nothing to get Walter over, and it should be very easy to get Walter over. Uh, the fact that they can fuck up Walter, I mean, how many times are we going to have this conversation? <laughs> how do you fuck up Ricochet? How do you fuck up Walter? How Bailey. do you fuck up? I still can't believe they fucked up Bailey. That's the how do you fuck up Bailey? That's how do you fuck up all timers for me is that they fucked up Bailey. It's unbelievable. It, it, it's it's crazy, but it's like. Um, you know they've sucked everything special that, that, that about Walter out of him. I mean, and even if you're someone who was going to give this a fair chance, who was just a casual WWE fan, and maybe you said, "Oh, NXT UK Takeover." All right, I got two hours to kill on a Saturday. I'm gonna—I don't watch NXT UK, but I'm gonna watch this. If you watched Walter in that main event, struggling with whichever coffee that was in a match that was way too long. Well, how would you come away thinking of, uh, of Walter after your only other experience with him was Survivor Series? He, it's like, we know Walter's special, but why would Joe WWE fan think he's special in any way whatsoever? Where's the evidence? Right. And then the, other, and then the only other piece of evidence that that kind of fan might have is a 50-50 match with Kushida, who's half his size, which you ranted about on this show. So that was Walter Kushida, right? Yeah, from right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, so it's like know, Walter survived Kushida. I'm like, no, he should beat that geek in 10 seconds. Like, yes. my God, look at the size of the two men. Like, I'm not I'm not that type of wrestling fan. But, like, if you're trying to build Walter, you, you got to build. It's one of these things where, and, and we, you know, the argument that we got from both people is, well, you can build both guys or both guys can get over. And it's like, okay, you can do that. But I'm going to do the style of wrestling that worked for, you know, decades. Oh, yeah. And that's where I push one guy and the other guy doesn't get pushed at the same time. It, it, it's not even so much the size. 
although that's a factor. Which one of those two is a potential money drawing main event? Exactly. Right. Which which one are you it's, trying to have main event your your you know upcoming Worlds Collide show? It's it's not Kushida. I, so I love Kushida. He's Kushida. I, he's not ever going to be. Walter should be drawing money for this company, and he's been putting he's being put in positions to draw money. Okay, if you want to have a you fifty know, fifty match, which you know th- th- not with Kushida was the point. You weren't wrong, but a casual WWE guy, his, his exposure to Walter is basically 50, 50 match with Kushida, who, by the way, they don't even push on NXT. I could even rich. I'd even give him a pass. If Kushida was like a main eventer in NXT, he's not, he lost in the first round of dusty classic. They put him back together. They put his tag team back together <laughs> with Alex Shelley and then got him out the first round anyway. So it's like, they don't care about Kushida. They don't push Kushida as a star. Okay, so your only exposure to Walter is a 50-50 match against Kushida, looking like a complete and total jobber at Survivor Series, looking like Mike Knox at the 2006 Survivor Series. Remember that? Remember Mike Knox at the 2000, I want to say 2006 Survivor Series? I don't. Okay, so the other team was DX, CM Punk, because CM Punk was feuding with Mike Knox at the time. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. They did a sweep, Yes. And it was it was Punk's first feud in ECW because he was defending the honor of the exhibitionist Kelly Kelly, who was Mike Knox's girlfriend. Right, right? she just wanted Mike to get Knox naked right. all the time, and then you know, yeah, Mike, Mike Knox didn't want her. <laughs> cover up, stop getting naked in front of her basketball arenas, and she's like, I want to be naked. And CM Punk was like, Let her be naked, you know. CM Punk, he was woke before woke was a thing because he was defending her right to be a sex worker. Right, he was like, Let her be naked. So they were feuding. So Mike Knox was on the other team. It was CM Punk, I think Jeff Hardy, and DX. Maybe Jeff Hardy's wrong. The other three are right. I think you're right. Side, no, I think you're right. Without looking it up, I believe you're right. So the other side had Mike Knox and whoever the fuck doesn't matter. Point is, Mike Knox is the first guy in. No one knows who he is because it's ECW, WWE, ECW. Which, by the way, at least like a million people a week were watching at that point. No one watches NXT UK. DX like look at each other. They give him like a double super kick or something, and he's eliminated in like five seconds, right? And then they're doing all these gestures to each other, like, who was that guy? Like, that is a, when people talk about burials, half the time it's not really a burial. That was a burial. DX beat him in five seconds, and then they were like, who is he? Who is that guy? Like, we don't even know who that is. Like, he's fucking completely worthless. There's a lot amazing. of that in that era. That DX era was, oh man, they they the the body count of that DX era. I mean, they they like a few weeks later, I think, or maybe a few weeks prior to that, stuffed the entire Spirit Squad in a in a cart and and slapped OVW on the cart and then kicked it out of the frame. So that, like, yes, yes. <laughs> do you yeah. remember that? I do. Awful. So so it's like, th- but my point here is not that Mike Knox should have been pushed to the moon. Okay, that's not my point. Mike Knox really was never going to go places in that company but my point here is that's how walter was treated this year at survivor Series. same thing i mean he got eliminated in like what 90 seconds or something first guy out you know it wasn't much better than fucking being treated like mike knox in 2006 so your exposure to this man if you're a casual fucking joe fan is 50 50 match against kushida who does not get pushed uh getting jobbed out of survivor series and then a weird long match against a weird guy with a beard at nxt uk in a match that maybe was good, maybe wasn't, was definitely too long, and then get jumped and beat up by Undisputed Era. Why on earth 
if I'm going to Royal Rumble, am I buying a ticket to watch that guy and his three friends who never speak in the main event? Why? Why would I? Why would right. I? I don't think there's going to be any walk-up. Because they fucked up Walter. How do you fuck up Walter? It's so easy. That's like the easiest one. Yeah, guy chops, guy wins. Is <laughs> the Walter thing. And they... He beats people up and beats them. He's, he's the final boss. How do you fuck him up? It's like fucking up Vader, which they kind of did yeah, too. I was, was going to say, that's not the best example. They, they, did that, <laughs> they did that in literally 20 minutes. They fucked up Vader, so... It's, it, you know, it, it's it's putting a wig on Goldberg. How do they fucking manage to fuck everybody up like instantaneously? They, they don't like to build you up and break you down and, and, and build you up again. They like to, the, that's that's their, their style. So, yeah, yeah, well, the problem here is they're expecting the guy to main event a yeah, basketball. Right, you're right. You're not wrong. And, and yeah, there's no there's no hook there. And I guess the, the, the hook is the undisputed era. But I don't know that their draws on that level right now. I think people like them. I think people like going Adam Cole, baby, or whatever. But I don't know that like. I'm buying a ticket to the to Oida Center to see, you know, Undisputed Era settle their beef with Imperium like that. Well, the problem, the problem isn't Adam Cole or the Undisputed Era. The problem is Imperium. Right. Because Adam Cole has drawn against Johnny Gargano and other people. So I can't say that Undisputed Era is the issue there. You know, the, the other takeovers have drawn. This is just no one in NXT UK is over. That's the problem here. I, I, I can't. If this does a bad house, right? Anyone who blames Adam Cole or Undisputed Era is out to lunch because we've seen Adam Cole draw on top in major shows. Didn't Ad- the, the one Adam Cole-Gargano match drew the biggest gate in fucking NXT history. You know how I know that? Gabe Sapolsky tweets about it all the time because he probably had a big hand in it. But I'm just saying. Right, right. It, you know, but so you can't tell me that Cole is the problem here. It's it's a hundred percent the UK guys, right? But what I'm saying though is like by themselves, I don't think it's enough that like if if if, if we're not talking like Clearly Stone Cold not. Steve they Austin like versus whoever the fuck, it wouldn't matter. 1998 Stone Cold could have faced anybody in the fucking world or whatever, and they would have so like I'm saying the undisputed aren't on those on that level, but they're almost treating them like they are on that level by booking them against complete dud like Imperium. Unless they like I can't honestly believe that they sat down, put this card together and said, yeah, this will sell out the, the Toyota Center. Or yeah, we'll do a good house here. Like that's what I can't believe. I'm, I'm not really putting down the undisputed era. I'm just saying they're being relied upon to be like, oh undisputed era is there. I'm gonna go watch this. And it's like I don't know that they're on that level strictly on their own. I think they do need you know, someone else to help them or, or it, it's not enough to just have, Hey, the undisputed era are here, go buy a ticket. And that's kind of what they're hoping that people do. I guess. I don't know. Yeah, what no, I don't know what they're hoping for, to be honest. You're, you're dead on. They can't draw by themselves. You're right. They need a, They need a proper opponent. And that this is not an opponent that's over. Now the match is probably going to be great. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it'll be really, really good. And you know, Wolf has been fantastic. Uh, you know, I watched a lot of him when we caught up with NXT UK a couple weeks ago. And I love, Ackner and Bartel. I think they're one of the best tag teams in the world. I really do. Every single time they're put in a position to have a tag match on any of these shows, they fucking kill it. I love those guys. And obviously, Walter's great. I mean, we're not knocking these guys. This match is probably going to rule. Problem is, obviously, you know, they're not, they're, they're not even close to being over with the uh, greater WWE audience. So, uh, is this an elimination match or is it just an eight it's man just a, As far as I know, just straight eight-man tag match. So. Uh, so I don't know. It should be good. It should be wild, and it should be. Um, there might be an angle coming out of it, and maybe this is where they start to push Walter. Uh, who knows? Uh, the the way the build has gone, you would think that. But but do they really want to put Walter over Adam Cole right I, no, now? I don't think so. Yeah, I really don't. And that's because you know, Cole might have a role at WrestleMania. It's just so I I don't know. Uh, it, it might be Walter just looking bad again. 
who knows? Uh, the match that I think probably has the best build and maybe the most my most anticipated match, or maybe not my most anticipated. There's one match I like a little bit more, but I'm really interested in this one: uh, Rhea Ripley versus Tony Storm for the NXT Women's Title. Here, they've done a really good job of building this, and I think Rhea uh, also does have that sort of crossover appeal because we've seen her on NXT. She obviously won the title on NXT, so this is one that while it is technically NXT UK. Both these people have, have appeared on NXT main proper, you know, shows a bunch. They've showed up on WWE shows a bunch as well. So this is one that I think that you could probably reasonably assume that most people in the door are aware of both these people and aware of kind of this feud a little bit. So so as far as like, you know, the difference of like Imperium where nobody probably cares, I think a lot of people will care about this Rhea Ripley versus Tony Storm match, whether or not it's enough to, you know, be a draw or whatnot. But I, I think it's been pretty well built and I'm kind of excited to see how this one uh, shakes out. I think Ripley's going to win, but uh, I, I, I've liked the build a lot so far i mean it's an nxt title match so um i this really i guess tony storm is technically an nxt uk wrestler i guess that's the idea here um even though she appears on nxt a lot is that the idea i think so yeah yeah because i think ripley is officially an nxt proper talent now despite the fact that obviously she you know was nxt uk and then i believe yeah tony storm would technically be nxt uk but like i said it's all kind of loose because they're both on there pretty often so all the time yeah but yeah it has been pretty well built and they obviously have a history and they had some pretty good matches when they feuded over the nxt uk women's title this company has a lot of titles man but um yeah yeah you know they've had decent matches in the past and it, it, the build has been good. I think that it has a chance to be good. I think this show probably has the a show. Real- I mean, let, <laughs> let, let's clarify. I don't know if anyone's going to buy a ticket to see this show, and it'll be very poorly attended, but I think this show fucking rocks on paper. Yeah. I mean, the worst match, which I'm going to say here in a sec, is like still pre- has a chance to be really fucking good. And there's a match here that we're not even talking about that they really haven't done a very good job of building that could be tremendous. Like, there's a match here that I'm like, my most interesting match of the entire weekend, uh, I'll say. But anyway, uh, I'll move on to the next one here. Finn Balor versus Ilya Dragnoff. This is the one that I said has a chance of, I don't know. Like, this to me is like probably the worst match on the show, but it's Finn Balor and Ilya Dragnoff. Like, if they have their working boots on, this could be pretty damn good. I'm obvious, uh, you know, honestly, I'm more concerned with Balor here than Dragunov. Yeah. I've been impressed. Dragunov is a guy I did not get for a long time. You know, I didn't get him. And I'm starting to get him the more I watch him, oddly enough, in NXT UK. Which is like the opposite of a lot of wrestlers where it's like, ah, they lose a little something when they come to WWE or it just it doesn't translate. I've liked his shit better in NXT UK than I did when he was... Uh, you know, the, the, his stuff in WXW and some other places for whatever reason. You know, the Cesaro match. You remember that match from one of the. Was that a, that was a UK takeover? That was right? the first UK takeover. Yeah. The uh, Blackpool. Or no, not that. Maybe. I don't forget which. I don't know if it was the first Blackpool or whatever the other one was, the other NXT UK takeover. But yeah, one of, one of the NXT UK takeovers. Man, I, you know, it's like that was a hell of a match, you know, and, and that's the last decent thing Cesaro has done, right? I mean, I can't remember the last. Yeah. I mean, he just started wearing fucking like jogging pants into the ring. Did you are you familiar with that era of Cesar? He started wearing like fucking capris. <laughs> yeah, it was really bizarre. I don't know. They were like he was wearing joggers or something. I don't know yeah, what that yeah. was going on. Yeah, I uh, yeah, but um, but that match was really good. And I, I also remember that match because TLB was in the room and she was just remarking over and over how Cesaro had an attractive back. You know, so whatever that means, I guess. You <laughs> Did you get in the gym that weekend and work on your back or start working on those lats? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, 
and how and how masculine he was. She kept noting how his back was attractive, and he was very. I can't argue with either of those statements. No, he's a very attractive man. I, I, yeah, you can't right. you can't fight that. You're also never going to probably have a body that looks like Cesaro, so you might want to just say, "Hey, look, yes, he is a very attractive man." Like, if you try to go, you try to go neck and neck with Cesaro, that's going to be tough. So, not even attractive. Like her two points were. One, he has an, a, an attractive back. I get it. He has a huge back. And two, he's very masculine. I have no argument there. He's yeah, a very masculine he's got a, man. He's got a good, good jawline, good head. He's got a big head. What am I supposed head. to say? Yeah, yeah, you know, like, if she was like, oh, The Miz is very masculine, I'd be like, now hold on a second. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's rethink all this because I, I can't have that, you know? Um, uh, where were we? So, oh, uh, Ilya. Yeah. So I'm almost more worried about. Uh, uh, Balor in that spot, and and really, it's like I know Dave Meltzer made this point, but it was like dead on, and um, he's like, like what the fuck is the point of this? Like you have a guy who doesn't even get pushed in NXT UK versus like the top one or two guys in NXT. What is this match? I don't know. Like, yeah, and, and the problem, like Finn Balor's just gonna win, and like no one's gonna care, and they'll just kind of put their hands in the air while his music goes on, and that's kind of it. Yeah, that's that's what it's there for. It's there to get a pop and. And hell, it's probably one of the big reasons. Maybe it's maybe it's something they wanted to get down to to, to draw is hey, Finn Balor's gonna be here, and he's from WWE. You remember him, right? <laughs> like I think that's yeah. probably one of the things. But like again, it's it's they've they've gotten to this cycle now where they just think names are what ma- like it's not always the names that make people want to buy tickets. Like give us a reason to buy a ticket to see Finn Balor. It's not enough to just see Finn Balor wrestle a guy. Like what's the reason that we want to see this match? And there's 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 been nothing. There's really nothing developed in this. So yeah, no, it's, it's we had strange. a. We had one pre-tape promo from one guy last week and one this week. So it's just supposed to be like, hey, this match is going to be good. <laughs> right. I guess yeah, that's I the guess idea, so. which I guess would be fine and would work if there was a big time money match on top. But I mean, Balor hypothetically could have been in a, again, why am I doing this? Yeah, What's don't that? even bother. Next match is uh, for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship with Angel Garza defending his title against Isaiah Swerve Scott, Jordan Devlin, and Travis Banks. It's a fatal four-way match, which kind of annoys me a little bit, but yeah, this has the potential to be really, really good because, I mean, it's Hold got Jordan Devlin in it. So, yeah, go ahead. They said it was a three-way, and the third man was to be determined on NXT UK this week. How the fuck did four? I guess I need to watch NXT UK. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I did not watch NXT UK this week, so I can't tell you. But uh, How did four men end up in this thing? I, your guess is as good as mine. Sorry. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> and, excuse me, Rich, but it's Angel Garza. Sorry. I apologize. Yeah. That is angel stuff. And Humberto Carrillo. Okay? You got to get the tongue rolling in there. You know? With these guys. You get, you know, angel Garza. You sound like such a gringo. I am a gringo. I'm bad, I'm bad at the Spanish, man. I'm... I'm... Uh, so yeah, I, I, no I Latin thought it was flavor. Weird. I have no f- Latin flavor whatsoever. It's pretty bad. I got the flavor. You do. You do pretty. You have a pretty good job of the flavor, which is surprising. I don't know. I don't know. How, where'd you Where'd you adopt that? How'd you get that? Uh, you know, I'm I'm known as a master linguist. It's been <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> of course. been known for a long time. I don't know where you've been. Uh, my pronunciations are always on point. Um. Yeah. So I guess there's a four way now with Devlin and Banks. Okay. If you say so, I say <laughs> I'm not making it up. There. I promise. I don't. Well, I might be making it up. Maybe the Wikipedia entry is making it up. I couldn't tell you one way or another, but that's what that's what this says. So, all right. Well, then we'll go with it. What else we got? Uh, then we have the match that, like, again, it's just like a match that's on this show, but like in any other era, if it was like well developed or well built, would just be like the most anticipated match of the weekend, and maybe on paper my most anticipated match of the weekend. It's fucking Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa versus Trent Seven and Tyler Bate. 
Yeah. Just like yeah. thrown onto the show. Like, oh yeah, mustache mountain DIY. Like, oh my God, like two years ago, we'd be frothing at the mouth for this match. And it's just like, oh yeah. Like how many people, like honestly, before I mentioned that, how many people knew that that match was happening this weekend? Uh, very few. I mean, they set it up. <laughs> they set it up last week on NXT and they didn't really follow up this week. Not that I remember anyway. So it's like, you're right. It's just thrown in on like the mid card. It's weird. Cause that could be a match to your contender. I don't think I'm being like crazy when I make that statement either. That that could be a legitimate match to your contender if it goes the way we think it can. So yeah, it should be great. Yeah, and zero things. You know. Yeah, I don't know why I care about it, but yeah, on, on paper should be a good match. And another match that again, like the reason you're going to watch it is because it can be a good match. Is why you're apparently buying a ticket or or going to check it out. And then the uh, there's one pre-show match as well. I, I'm sure it'll be taped for TV. I don't know exactly. Uh, Mia Yim versus Kaylee Ray as well. Just a straight singles match for nothing on the line. So yeah, yeah, they'll probably put that on NXT or something. Um so what is that? Four matches for the main. Oh, what about the Dusty Classic Final? Is that on that show or is that? Uh, on it NXT? does not appear to be on this show. No, so I think it's going to be on NXT TV. So, yeah, uh, would have been a good spot for that to have uh, Riddle and and Dunn against the. Uh, yeah, but here's the thing though, and this is this is where NXT is going to have to try to figure these things out in the future. Is like, okay, what's more important to them? Getting popping a big rating uh, on a weekly show, or you know, if you're going to draw a house. The week, the day before, you know, a big WWE show like that used to be the thing. It was easy to to to, to yeah. peak everything for. Hey, WrestleMania is coming up. We're peaking everything for a takeover. SummerSlam's coming up. We're pe- peaking everything for a takeover. Royal Rumble's coming up. We're peaking for a Royal Rumble or whatever. That was easy. That wasn't hard to do. Now you're peaking for every single week on 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 Wednesdays. So it's like it leads to shows like this where you're like, I don't know, there's like four matches and nobody really cares about it. And then an important match, like you have to save that important match. For TV, because you can't just do it all on this takeover show and have nothing left for TV. So this is kind of that weird right. position that next season is is like, are you drawing? Are you drawing ratings? Are you drawing house shows? Like, what 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 is the goal of NXT? What are you doing right now? And, and we see it in this weird position, and, and the show is probably the the best representation of how weird NXT is right now. It's like, okay, what what what's the end game here? Like, what what's the goal? Where, where, what are you building towards? What what are you trying to do? Or are you trying to do everything all at once? And and usually when you do that, you end up doing nothing. So also, and Hel Garza is. Uh fluctuates from heel and babyface every week. I was going to say, yeah, what is he, what was he this week? Cause I was like, I can't, like he proposed to his wife and I thought we were like, all right, well, he's clearly a babyface now. And then like the next week he's like ripping his pants off and gyrating in front of people again. And I'm like, what? I think like, yeah, he's shit talking one week. Then he's like a humble, nice guy the next week. And then he's shit talking again. I don't know what the fuck. Okay. So it's not just me that doesn't understand that at all. Okay, good. No. Cause I'm like, did I miss a week? Like, I feel like I, I feel like every time I watch on Hill Garza, I, I feel like I'm missing a week. I feel like I'm like, what, what happened? Wait, wait, last week he was doing this, right? Or did I miss something that happened? But you're right. It flip flops every single week. Like once you propose to your girlfriend, after you win the title in the middle of the ring, you're kind of a yeah. face, right? He's been booked so oddly. If you remember when Tommaso Ciampa came back uh, many months ago, Garza stepped up to him backstage and Ciampa like punched him in the face and just decked him. And then he like beat him in a squash the next week. Mm-hmm. And the very next week, Garza's like winning the cruiserweight title. <laughs> right. And what, what, what the fuck? What, why didn't they just job him someone else out to Ciampa? Right? Like, what are they doing? Like, why use the guy that you're going to give a push to and put Again, why are we doing this? I don't know. I don't know How many doing. people are in NXT, Rich? There's like 130. <laughs> yeah. Find some geek that's in hip toss class and say, hey, 
You're going to lose yeah. Tommaso Ciampa in two seconds, okay? Go out there, get in the ring, he's going to hit a clothesline, he's going to hit his move, and you're going to get pinned, okay? Cool. <laughs> yeah, where's the geek they always do that with? The guy that's in NXT UK now. Our boy, what's his name? Uh, he would have been perfect for that. What the fuck is his name? With the flowy hair, the Hawaiian guy? Oh, Conan uh, Reeves? Conan Reeves? Oh, no, you're not jobbing out super future superstar Conan Reeves. Are you got him in mind? No way. That's the guy. He's but you're been, right, yeah. They've been jobbing him out for four years. Why are you putting Garza? Just what the fuck? Well, no, like <laughs> even <laughs> I'm honestly not even going to do Conan Reeves. I'm doing like random ass like trainee guy that's just backstage. And, you know, he walks by Champa and Champa goes, what are you looking at? Or whatever, you know, like something like yeah. that. Or, yeah, some guy who was like, oh, I'm going to make a name for myself. I'm going to face you, Champa. And then he just beats him in two minutes. And you never see from that guy again because he goes back to hip toss class and he doesn't come back for two years. I mean, there's literally like 700 people in that performance center. You can find someone. I mean. They just jobbed out Joaquin Wild to um, to uh, Finn Balor this week because Wild hasn't won a match on TV yet. He's not being pushed yet, and that's like perfect. That that's the kind of guy you job out, right? Because you haven't invested anything in him yet. You haven't told the fans that he's important. Like that's the kind of guy. Like you could have just done it with him. Like why the guy who you knew you were going to put a title on within the next two? It's it just doesn't – who's in the room? Who's in the room? How does no one stand up in the room and go, well, hold on a second. We're putting the title on this guy. Maybe we should rethink this. I don't understand. There's no one – Are they, is there Triple H fear the same way there's Vince McMahon fear? That's what I wonder sometimes. I don't know, man. I, I just – I don't get – this company is so weird with how they book stuff these days, and I, I just don't – I don't get it. There's just I, – I can't – I can't believe it's the same company that would think this shit out like two years in advance. And every single yeah. match would matter two years in advance. And now they just, you know, week to week, it's, it, it seems like nothing matters anymore. And <laughs> there's, no, there's no continuity. But that's World's Collide. So, hey, uh, <laughs> by the time most of you guys read this, I'll have a preview up at uh, VoicesOfWrestling.com uh, as that well. show's going to fucking rule. I mean, it's the show's gonna... great. Like, on paper, those matches are all good. But, like, there's no reason to care about any of them. Yeah. But such is this company now. This company has turned into a, uh, a match company. NXT in particular is a match show. Uh-huh. Like that's that NXT, the weekly NXT show is watch two hours of pretty good wrestling. Yeah, it's it's fascinating that that is like AEW is a little bit more of the story, a little bit more of the nuance, a little bit more of the storytelling, the character development. NXT is watch two hours of good matches. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're, I mean, NXT this week was really good. It was fantastic. Yeah. You know, the two Dusty Classic matches were excellent. Well, I didn't like the fucking Imperium distraction finish in the first one where they're up in the balcony and their and their music <laughs> their music plays and Kyle O'Reilly just cannot fathom finishing why? the match in the ring oh my god the music play why did their music play in the spotlight go on them like what's the explanation for that like like it's just so stupid um but because they were having a nice little match there. yeah yeah and then, you know, the main event, I mean, you know, well, it wasn't the main event, but Dunn and uh, Riddle versus Imperium. Imperium is always good. And Dunn and Riddle, are, and that match was really good. And, and Keith Lee versus Kyle, uh, not Kyle O'Reilly, Roderick Strong. Strong right? yeah. God, that was great. I mean, Roderick Strong. I mean, I ranted and raved about it behind the paywall, patreon.com slash voice of wrestling. You can make a serious case he's the best wrestler in the world. I mean, he's great. Roderick Strong is great. Every time I watch Roderick Strong, I think, holy shit, this guy's one of the best wrestlers in the world. And it's not because he's racking up five-star matches left and right. He's not in a position to do that. You know what I mean? Like, he gets four or five big, not even. He probably gets three or four big matches a year. You know, a tag title match on takeovers. They're always 
get plenty of time. And they're always great. You put them in a main event of TV like this once in a blue moon, and it's great. It's like I pose this question behind the paywall. Let me pose it to you, Rich. The one thing we haven't seen Roderick Strong do. First of all, do you agree with my premise that he's great? Uh, no, absolutely. No, he's fantastic. Okay. He, he's a guy that every time I watch, I remember that he's been good for like 15 years, too. And I'm like, man, God, like it's unbelievable. He is one of, I, I would honestly put him as one of the most underrated wrestlers, maybe of all time. Because you go back and you watch his early Ring of Honor stuff, his early TNA stuff. I mean, that was, that guy was in TNA in 2005. For God's sakes. And having, like, pretty good matches. Like, there's people that, that will, you know, debate that or whatever. But, like, whatever it was. Like, he was still... He's been solid since, like, 2004, 2005. And it's unbelievable. Yeah. He's just been consistently solid since then. And now, I think in the last five years or so, has begotten... Yeah, has become great. I, I would say there's some years prior where he was pretty good as well. But, like, he's just become, like, as you said, like, a very well-rounded, good wrestler at this point. Like, a great wrestler at this point, I should say. Yeah, he had that little lull there for a while. And then he really had that great year in Ring of Honor, remember? And then he's been just phenomenal since he's been in this company. It's like his performance in that Lee match was like one of the best singular performances I've seen in some time. I mean, he was just so great. The way he moves around the ring, his mannerisms, going for all those pinfalls. I mean, he just – God, the, 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 the intensity in which he works, the, the frenetic – fucking his, his, the frenetic action that he never stops moving. His cardio is ridiculous. Um, the, the match was just great, but I will pose this to you. The one thing we haven't seen Roderick Strong do, he's a, obviously a great tag team wrestler. He's been a great TV wrestler. He's uh, uh, obviously technically uh, with his uh, execution, they, there's few better in the world. He's been doing it for 15 years. But maybe the one thing we haven't seen him do is, do you think he could deliver in a world title main event on, in a big spot? 28 minutes, major pay-per-view, World title match. That's the one thing I don't think he's ever been given an opportunity to do. I say there's no reason he couldn't. What does Rich Krejci say? It, it, the thing is, it's like weird to say because like you said, he's never been in that position. So it's hard to like visualize it. It's hard to say, yeah, he could. But like, I don't see why he couldn't. I think that I have the same argument that you have. is like, how could this guy be that good? And then like, oh, main event? No, no, I'm going to shit the bed. Like, he's not going to shit the bed. <laughs> you know, I think he's going to definitely, yeah, I, I think he could deliver in it. It's just hard to, it's hard to envision it just because he's never been in that spot, especially in this company. It's hard to envision it ever happening uh, in this company as well. But I have no reason to doubt him. I mean, why would you doubt Roderick Strong at this point in his career? Okay, can I play devil's advocate to my own argument? Sure. Do you think he lacks the necessary charisma to deliver in a spot like that. Maybe, but maybe. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just don't know if he's been in a position to really do it. So no, I I don't know. I I don't know. I would say maybe. I would I wouldn't I wouldn't discredit that completely, but I do think it'd be worth a try and see. Here's the hypothetical match example I gave behind the paywall. And I know you didn't listen yet, because I finished that like right before we started. The hypothetical match I gave was if Undisputed Era broke up, right, and he turned babyface and he got into a feud with Adam Cole and he main evented a takeover against Cole, I'm envisioning that in my mind and I have no doubt it would deliver. Cole versus Strong, main event of a takeover, WrestleMania weekend, whatever weekend you want to put, SummerSlam. You feel like that match would deliver? Because I do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, of course. So to me, 
I, you know, I, I would have, I'd be a hundred percent certain to match like that. I just think that one thing we've never seen him do. I just I think it's just what a lack. The, of okay, what was the feud that he was in? I want to say la- was it last year or something? He was in some feud with, or maybe two years ago before he joined Undisputed Era. It was him and, and his wife were in a feud. Do you remember? Do you know what I'm talking about? He was with somebody, and I forget. Bobby Roode. Yes, how good was, that shit was great. And that's Bobby Roode, average ass Bobby Roode. I think that's maybe the, the secret ingredient for him is now that he's like Roderick Strong dad, that might be the, the charisma that he gets. Because like Roderick Strong, the, the, like by himself, maybe not. But if, uh, I mean, it's obviously going to be weird with Shafir and, and, and she's in the horsewomen and all that sort of shit. But like, right, right, right. yeah, what they had then is like either she was pregnant or just had the kid or whatever. And, and that was where he kind of got his charisma as like, not necessarily like an over the top volume up to 10 wrestler, but just like a dad who was like, no, 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 no. I've worked oh, too yeah. hard to get where I am. And, and, you know, I have a family to feed and all this sort of shit. And you're not going to talk, yeah. you know, you're not going to do that to me. That was, well, you know what it was? that really it unlocked was, a lot of his, his, his potential, it, I think. Because he showed fire because you know what the, the story was? Bobby Roode was doing the typical, he was doing like the Nick Aldis, Ric Flair style world champion at that time. And he was like, hey, baby, why don't you fuck a real man? Yeah, like that that's was, right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and then, yeah, Strong showed all that fire. And that was kind of the impetus to that. Plus, she like had her newborn like with her i think to make it even more absurd but that you're right that was a good uh, story and uh the, probably the close i mean look roderick strong was world champion in ring of honor but what kind of buildings were they running then i mean i don't think they were running like um you know they, they weren't small time but they weren't like he they weren't running basketball arenas this is my point you know and it's like i just don't know if we've ever seen him in that position and really that's the only thing he's lacking i mean Bell to bell, I, I, I cannot think. I, I, I really cannot think of five wrestlers. I think are definitely better than him. Bell to bell, you know. Remember the old Bill James exercise where it's like, can you name a hundred catchers who are definitely better than I forget who the catcher was, but it was the impetus for his book. And it's like, his friend was like, yeah, I could do that, and they named like fifteen before it started to get iffy. <laughs> right, right. You know, because you don't really think in those terms until you try to do it, right? And then it's like, can you name five wrestlers who are definitely, without question, better than Roderick Strong? Maybe you can, but I bet you it's not as easy as it sounds. He's really great, you know? It's like, think about it. Like, in your head, like, there's really great wrestlers, but, like, he doesn't do anything poorly. He's, like, great at everything. So, I I just watched NXT this week, and I thought, it's fucking awesome. Why doesn't he like, what is it that he doesn't, is it because he's in NXT and he's like hidden? And, and I, I don't know. It's not like he's in a low profile spot in NXT. Yeah, well, I think one of the worst things that happened to him and, and, and some maybe would argue with that, but I think joining the Undisputed Era really kind of capped off what he could be because there was a point where I did think that he was really on the rise there. Like I said, that rude thing was, was, was often firing and, and he felt like he had kind of new direction. He felt like a top guy. And then, you know, he just joined Undisputed Era and he immediately became, you know, at best, second in the line. You're never going to top Cole in there. So I think the next time we ever see that from him is would be him turning on Cole or them turning on him or whatever. Because, yeah, right now he just joins Undisputed Era. He's just one of the four guys and, and, and very clearly not the leader uh, of that unit. So I think that always puts a ceiling on, on, on what he could be in NXT right now too. So Is he the best wrestler in WWE? Um, I would still – Do you mean, you mean output-wise? Because I think no. Tyler Bate is still better than him, but I think Tyler Bate has no chance to show it. That's fine. I mean, I'm I'm asking you a question. Yeah, I'm not, I think Walter's better than him too. But like again, like you know, Pete, 
or strong? I'd really have to think about that. It's a good match. That'd be a good match. Yeah, like that. Um, Riddle has got to be up there. Um, Ricochet. I think those. I think strong is better than Ricochet. Yes, at this point, for sure. Um, Daniel Bryan. Well, Brian's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm done with him. Show your strat match. But this is what I mean. See how with all of these, we're like debating it in our head. They're not definitely better. You, you see the point I'm trying to make? It's like right. There's nobody that I would say no, Joe. You're an idiot. It's blank. <laughs> it's know? a clear yeah. cut. Like you said, you prefer Bait and Walter. I'd put some thought into those. It's like maybe I'd come to the conclusion that they're better than Roderick Strong. But it's not like a slam dunk, and it it's like um, I'm 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 trying to think. Kento Miyahara is he definitely better than Roderick Strong? Yeah, there's some, there's some debate there for sure. See, you already started. See, you you thought for like three seconds, and it's like you may come to the conclusion Miyahara is better, but it's like you think about it. That's my point. See, he if I went to think about line, it, he forces you to think yes, about it. Yeah. Like, I may be able to come up with 20 or 25 guys who are better. Maybe. That seems like a lot. But I'd have to – but definitely better? I don't know if I could think of five. Because he's really – he really is that good, I think. And I'm, it's not even – it's what I'm saying about him. Like, what about Willow Spray or Shingo? Uh, I think they're, they're a little step above. Um, so do I. I uh, would put both Roderick, yeah, sorry. But, that, but th- it's like – so there's two. What about Okada? Oh, no, Okada's leaps and bounds better than. What about Naito? People are going to get mad at this one, but I I would think about that one a little bit. I would, too. I think Strong might be better. But but I could go, like, if we had time to do it, maybe I'd go with Naito. That's just like Miyahara. My gut is to say Miyahara. But I, I can't call it a slam dunk. But I'd probably, at the end of the argument, go with Miyahara. Um, and we're probably forgetting obvious people, but it's it, the, the point of the exercise isn't to go through everyone. It's just, you know, Bate and Walter were great examples because those are two that I see as really good debates, but they're not slam dunks. Um, neither's Riddle. Neither's Pete Dunne. Um, who else are we missing in WWE? Yeah, I was going to mention Gargano. I, I would put in that mix. Gargano, you know. yeah, yeah, for sure. There are definitely I don't people think- that are down on him, but I, I'm not. I still think he's tremendous, so. I don't think AJ Styles is that class anymore. No, no, God no. Um, I don't think Rollins is that class. No, he's not as good as any of those guys that we named. Um, Kota Ibushi. I think Kota's better than than Roger. Ishi. I think Ishii's better. They've wrestled each other. That was they disappointing. Have. Yeah, yeah, it did not did not deliver, unfortunately. It wasn't great. It was all right. Yeah, Gargano's a good one. You forget about him because he's been hurt. But uh um, And just not doing anything. <laughs> That's what I was so worried about. So he just he's just like, hey, I'm an NXT again. They're like, oh, you're still here, dude? Like he's like some twenty three year old dude that's still hanging out at college parties, and they're like, Is this didn't this guy graduate? Like yeah. Nah, yeah, I'm still I'm between jobs right now. It's like, well, go, dude. Like, you can't come to college parties anymore. 
I love his promo. Don't you work he at a bank on. now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I came for the weekend. He's like, you know, he leaves his bank job on Friday and comes, you know, drives down and drink on the weekends. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Did you hear the promo he cut on Balor a few weeks ago where he was like, when you got the call to the main roster, you packed your bags and left. When I got the call, I stayed here. <laughs> But he went to Raw. He did, yeah. Like, they just they've whitewashed that from history. That 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 DIY was on Raw and Champa yeah. got hurt, and that then they sent him back. Like they have whitewashed that from history. Yeah, he that never happened in their, in their in their canon. That never happened. Yeah, he spent time on the Raw roster. Like you're full of shit. Anyway, um, is that really something Raw to be Raw proud of? Either. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm he, not he going was, anywhere ever. It's like okay. He's, he's trying to pop full sale. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, Royal Rumble, right? Yeah, Royal we've heard it far enough. Let's talk about the Royal Rumble here. Uh, if you want to get in the Royal Rumble mood, uh, patreon.com slash voices wrestling. I'm going through uh, 10 of the best, the worst, and the most random, uh, most newsworthy Royal Rumbles of in history. So, patreon.com. Oh, my ass 10. Every day there's like four on. No, it's just, I'm just trying to get it done. I did not realize how quickly the Royal Rumble was coming up. I'm trying to get as many as done as I can before uh, Sunday's show. I'm not so. knocking you. You're pumping out the content a like lot, a machine. Man. Yeah, well, it's you have to wake up at 4 a.m. and go to bed at 2, but God damn it, you can do it. So It's incredible. Uh, yeah, but anyway, yeah. Uh, voicewrestling.com slash Patreon for those uh, as well. I'm going over uh, many many of the – some good, some bad, uh, some interesting uh, Royal Rumbles in history as well. So uh, people are enjoying it a lot, so I'm glad to hear uh, the feedback. I'll get you hyped up for uh, this year, Royal Rumble 2020, taking place, Joe, from Minute Maid Park in Houston. This is another thing that I think I knew that this was taking place at Minute Maid Park, but I really didn't realize until we were getting ready for the show, and I was like, holy fuck, they're at a baseball stadium for this show. This does not feel like a baseball stadium show, does it? It's the Rumble. They're trying to sell it on the Rumble. They're not trying to sell it with the participants in the Rumbles. But Certainly they're, they're, not, no. But they figure, you know, but this is like, you know, they tried that in San Antonio that one year, what, 96? 90, uh, 97. 90? 97 was the first Alamo Dome uh, one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they're they're going to try a baseball stadium here. Um, I have been to Minute Maid countless times, never with the roof open. Every time I go to that fucking building for a baseball game, the roof is closed, and I feel like I'm in a mall. You know, one time I just want the fucking roof open for a baseball game, but it is Houston in the middle of August, so I don't know what I expect. But, uh, but yeah, big, big building. So, how are ticket sales? Have you seen or? or yeah, I tried to look a little bit earlier, and it looks like they're okay. But it looks like the what what and and I think uh, Dave may have mentioned this. Uh, Dave Meltzer may have mentioned this in last week's Wrestling Observer. Is it looks like a lot of secondary markets. Grab the tickets right away because right now you can get in the building for like twenty bucks. Like lo- the secondary tickets are very very low for the show, but it looks like a lot of it is sold, which is interesting. So we'll see, you know, how many people show up, how many people have tickets, how many people actually you know you know go to the show. So it looks like it's actually surprisingly doing better than I thought it would. But there are a lot of tickets on the secondary market, so I don't know if that's just people hoping to get someone to buy it or the people that are going to the show anyway and just saying, hey, look, let's see if somebody drops me 50 bucks and they can have these tickets or whatever, or if those people, if they don't sell them, will show up. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see. It looks like, the, I mean, they always do a good, WWE always does a fantastic job of like making crowds look good and, and lighting things perfectly and, and moving people where they need to go. So I'm sure it will look aesthetically good. It's just a big, big area. I mean, that, having a baseball stadium and trying to make that look okay and trying to fill that. Uh, especially if the floor is not filled, like that's always a tough deal there. So you can, you know, you can tarp off an upper deck and not even show the upper decks, but yeah, it's gonna be interesting here with so much uh, room on the, on, on the field slash floor or whatever. So it'll be interesting to see how it, how it works out. 
let's meticulously break down every participant in both of the uh, Royal Rumbles. <laughs> that will take that will take many hours. Let's start with the women's Royal Rumble. Let's do it, Joe. All right, are you ready? You got your thinking cap on. It's on. Okay, so you're a betting man, right? You're you're a guy, you know, good at the odds, the over unders, that sort of stuff. I've been known to make a bet. Can I have you do that for this women's Royal Rumble participants? There's a lot of names. So there's a lot of numbers you're gonna be throwing around here, but I want you to Joe to guess, and and, and I'm gonna name all the participants, all of them. And I want thirty women in this match. Absolutely. Thirty women, thirty entrants in this match. Uh, not all of them have been announced. You don't know. We'll tell you the number that got announced here in a bit. But I want you to give well, me. Sure, well, well, surely there's been at least twenty to twenty-five women. <laughs> surely there's. The Joe would be absolutely ridiculous to have only seventeen percent of the participants announced two days prior to the show. That'd be ridiculous. Nah, you, listen, you leave a couple spots for surprises, but surely by now on Thursday they've announced at least twenty-five. Participants. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So get ready for that. So are you ready for odds and, and over/unders on all of them? do it okay all right the first one here natalia uh she uh on january 22nd 2020 announced on wb's the bump that she was going to be on the women's royal rumble match natalia what are the chances of her winning the royal rumble what the fuck is the bump i don't know what the bump is what is that uh is that the one where it's like they're they're all on like couches and they're being goofy i've never watched it you couldn't fucking you, you, uh, gun to my head i don't think i'd watch the bump is this a show about pregnancy or something? I don't think what? it's about pregnancy. No, I don't. I don't believe it's about pregnancy. I think it's. Um, I guess it's a network show. I guess I'm looking at it now. It streams every Wednesday. Uh, Caleb Braxton and some other people are on it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what the bump. Is. Who on? Who the fuck is going to sit down and <laughs> I, watch? You know that? what? I want Joe more WWE content this week. There's just not nearly enough. I wish. And that's not it even was and more. That's... <laughs> And it's not even on the network. That's just like streamed. I think it's the network. I think it's streamed in on the network. So it's like on dot com, that site that no one fucking know. can navigate it. It's like what is it? I don't know what it is. The bump. The and bump. this is where they announced that she's going to be in the yeah, Rumble. This is on Natalia that. announced on her own that she was going to be uh, in the Rumble on the bump. Is this like CMLL Informa that airs on? Like, <laughs> yes, I think that's they have it. the interviews. Anyway, right? yeah, odds for Natalia. Spit it out. Let's go. Uh... <sighs> I'll give her uh, eight hundred to one. That's <laughs> yeah, tough, tough. Okay, so we're going to going those odds there. Okay, so she, the winner f- main events WrestleMania, correct? Right, exactly. Yes, or you know, if this year in this year's case, like seventh from the top, right? Because Ronda Rousey's not there anymore, so uh, yeah, right. The, okay. the revolution is uh is is paused for right now. So that's right. We're on pause. Yeah. Uh, January thirteenth, twenty twenty, announced on her Twitter, Sarah Logan entering the Women's Royal Rumble. So this might not even be true. She just might be like, hey, man. <laughs> I think she just said, hey, I'm in the Rumble. So. I'm a Viking, and I'm showing up, and I am Crazy Mary Dobson, and I'm just fucking I'm, – I'm high. I'm, so who knows if this is real? Uh, but if it is real, I will put uh, uh, 10,000 to 1 on Sarah Logan. <laughs> Sarah Logan. Those good odds. Hey, you never know, man. It could get wild. It, it, you know? Good money there. Okay. All right. Uh, January 10th, 2020, announced on SmackDown, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross are entering the Women's Royal Rumble match. Uh, Alexa Bliss, I'll go 50 to 1. Who's the other one? Uh, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Ugh, Nikki Cross. Um, <laughs> what did I say for Natalia? 800 to 1? You said uh, 800 to 1 for Natalia, yeah. Thousand to one for Nikki. Okay, so right now Sarah Logan's the big money, but she was ten thousand to one, correct? Sarah Logan. Yeah, that's um, great. Here, here's the thing, though. I might be in a position to lose a ton of money because I've just rethought this. 
the women's main event at WrestleMania, like I said, is going to be like seventh from the top. Really, anyone can win this. It, it is. It is for anybody. Yes, and that's so, why there's all these names that are vying for it, Joe. So. I'm working under the premise that this is like a legitimate main event, which it probably isn't going to be. Um, so I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not taking any action on these odds. Let's just put it that way. Uh, man, we got to get through like 20 more. I know plenty more names. Yeah. But you've given the, those have been the high odds ones, but we're going to get into the the money part here. So big overrun week here. Absolutely. December 30th, 2019 announced on raw Charlotte flair. Entering the Women's Royal Rumble match. I'm going to go one to two. One to two. Heavy, heavy favorite, favorite, Charlotte Flair. All right. You're not making any money on Charlotte if you're betting on Charlotte. Okay. You got you to gotta bet $2 to make a dollar. If you, you know, this is a, this is what, this is gambling. Yeah. You're going to parlay Eric. Charlotte with something else. You're going to go, you know, Absolutely. heavy, you know, Eric Rowan in the Mets Royal Rumble and parlay right. with Charlotte Flair and hope you, you know, nail something. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're going the fiend. You're, you're, you're parlaying the fiend and Charlotte Flair uh, to see what you yeah. can do here. But, uh, uh, oh, that's actually it. Five out of 30 uh, for the Women's Royal Rumble match. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, so despite the fact that it's happening Where's the rest of the field? In two days. I don't know. Yeah, who cares? Whatever. Five out of 30, so. They've announced five names, and this is in 30. three days. Yes. And so, okay, so I made fun of this on Twitter. We're doing a little bit here. I made fun of this on Twitter, and I got a lot of responses of like, oh, I like this. I like the surprise. And like, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you leave five spots. You don't <laughs> exactly, five right. Like, you either don't announce anybody and say, fuck it. Who knows who's going to show up this Sunday at the Royal Rumble? That's not a good way to promote a show, by the way. Like, promoting wrestling, yeah. it's always done a little bit better when you say, hey, these people that you like and that we promote every single week, they're going to be on the show wrestling in an important match. That's kind of how you promote wrestling, usually. Yeah. But if you want to do a whole, hey, who the hell knows who's going to show up, that's fine, too. But announcing five out of 30 is just lazy and 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 absolutely unacceptable like you said 25 out of 30 and then say hey the next five who knows who's going to show up you know trish stratus might show up again it might be you know tory who the hell knows let your imagination run wild for the last five or whatever that's fine i get that here's the bigger here's the bigger problem too everything you're saying is true the other problem with it is is it really a mystery you know it's going to be Mandy fucking Rose and all the fucking regulars and Sasha Banks and you That's know I mean. it's lazy. Like we know the roster yeah. and it's not like there's going to be, you know, 25 random people out of nowhere. They're going to pluck people that you've never heard of before, people that you you can't believe, "Oh my god, it's her." Like I can't believe she you know, yeah, it's going to be Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville and Sasha Banks and and and, and yeah, you we know we could announce the other 20 right now if we wanted to, but they just haven't decided to do that. So Right, like if we cared enough we can get the number up to 25 and be 99% accurate and leave those five open spots for whoever the hell they're bringing in. It's, it's, it's so it's like, you're not, so everyone's like, I like being, so, you're, what are you going to be? You're really going to be surprised when Mandy Rose walks down. The <laughs> yeah, oh my God. It's, it's both members of fire and desire. I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Give me a break. I mean, it's going to be stunning when, uh, you know, <laughs> Sasha Banks comes soaring down the, is that Liv you know, Morgan? Oh my God. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> I mean, come on. So you're not even being surprised. They're just fucking being super lazy. And it tells you how much effort they're putting into it. Yeah. Zero. Zero effort. You know, it, it tells me Charlotte's going to win because they named her already. And, and like, company stupid. sucks. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Terrible um, company. Let's, let's go some so. other matches and then who we'll was, do the men's Royal Rumble. So. Who was it last year who came in and blew every spot and then got thrown out? Zia <laughs> It was someone like that, right? So. She came in, she blew every spot, and then she got thrown out of the ring. 
that match was horrendous. Oh, last year's was so bad. Yeah, it was so it bad. It was so bad. It was nothing but a new girl would come in. They would do, like, everyone else would clear the way so they could do a spot. They would proceed to blow the spot. <laughs> I was say, fuck it up every single time. That happened for, like, probably 25 straight minutes in the meat of that match. <laughs> that was the pattern. It was awful. So, uh, there's no way that it can be worse than that. It, it'll be a better because the first wasn't there. This is the third one, right? This is the third one. Yeah, the first one was actually pretty awesome. First one was really good and, and arguably better than the men's. Yeah, one. but that's one that I think prior to that, because they knew it was such a big deal, I think they got like everybody together for like a week prior and basically learned how to do every single spot was like meticulously yeah. laid out and all that sort of stuff. And you can tell last year's that did not happen last year because it was like, hey, call so, the ring, and they were like, oh boy, <laughs> it's awful. Yeah, it was a spot with Saya Lee and Natalia, I think. Oh went so, do you remember that spot? Yeah. It was so bad. Like, and it's like to them, Natalia is like the trusted veteran who can, you know, make it work with the green Saya Lee. But we all know that Natalia kind of stinks. So it's like it was the perfect storm for a disaster. And that's exactly how, how it went down. Uh how many people are announced for this men's match? Uh, Joe, surprisingly, 25 out of 30, the exact number that we say you should always yeah. announce. So it's like, we don't. like. Well, so anybody saying, oh, no, they're doing it because it's surprising. Like, they know what to do. They're just being fucking lazy about the next 20 women. They can announce the next 20 women right now on social media, and nobody, like, it'd be fine. It'd be perfectly okay. They just don't, they're just being lazy about it. Yeah, and it might actually sell a network subscription or two. It might actually sell a ticket or two, especially with the women's match, because, Rich, the diva stands, as they call them, are very devoted. If you said, name a random one, I don't know. Liv fucking, Morgan. Liv Morgan again. Yeah, I mean, she's in that Rusev thing, but I get what you're saying. Hey, but if you announce her for the fucking match, those Liv Morgan fans are rabid. You know, they, they might buy a ticket. You know, but you're not announcing any. But it's, just, it, we, it's like we talked about with the, with the uh, Worlds Collide. They just don't put any effort anymore. They don't think about these things. Such a bizarre, weird, little, shitty, fucking garbage company. Anyway, the anyway, men's match. No, I'm, I'm going to wait. Till, let, let's go to the men's rumble in a bit. How about okay. that? Let's 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 because there's there's some heavy hitters on the show here that we have to talk about. Rich has to, a format here. He before we get format. to the men's rumble, I do not have a format, but uh, I just want to you know just spray some out a little bit. We have, we have some yeah because we got we got Andrade versus Humberto Carrillo. Yeah, US, man. U.S. Championship match here. Let's go. Yeah, Humberto was fired up on Raw. Yeah, Humberto fucking rocks, man. This match is gonna be great. Yeah, should be pretty good. Yeah, they get time. It should be a, a really good match. Bailey versus Lacey Evans for the SmackDown Women's Title. You know what wasn't a really great match was that ladder match between Andrade and Ray. Did you see it? I did. Yeah, it's like it's a mess. Yeah, like I it, people have equated like guys dying in a match to like it being like that was just like yeah. I, I'm done with ladder matches. I, I don't want to ever see a ladder match ever again. I think is where I'm at. Yeah, I, I was very disappointed. It, the, our timeline that night, I didn't know what to make of it because people weren't really saying anything. And I, it may have been because they felt bad about Barry and Ray. But then I asked, I, I tried to crowdsource. I said, should I watch this or not? Because I can't tell. And some people were like, yeah, it fucking ruled. And other people were like, nah, it'll make you sad. So I was like, oh, well, now I have to fucking watch it. And I don't know if it made me sad, but I definitely look. There were like two commercial breaks. Number one, um, they blew like two or three spots. 
And it was a fucking ladder match. And I'm just, you know, we're over them. We talked yeah, the, about the it new ladder match is not like guys, you know, using a ladder to try to. It's just like setting up a ladder. Guy falls through the ladder, setting up a ladder over here. Guys jump off the ladders, fall through ladders. It's just like I, I've seen enough guys go through aluminum ladders in the last two years. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm over it. Yeah, I preferred the singles matches they had early last year. The, to the to the ladder. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Those matches were great. So um, anyway. Um, just wanted to get that in there quickly. So what was this women's match? Uh, Bailey were... versus Lacey Evans. Ah, right. So, um, I mean, Lacey, for some reason, is a baby face now. Will you think about this company for a second? <laughs> oh, no. Don't make, they... don't make me. I don't want to. Listen. <laughs> is that like a you... threat? Why are you threatening me with this? <laughs> like you said before, they somehow managed to blow Bailey, right? She's a heel. Bailey's a heel. Yeah. And it's like, here's the thing. They're both doing pretty well in the role. So no disrespect to either one of those wrestlers. But why the fuck isn't Bailey killing it as a babyface? And why isn't Lacey still trolling and being an incredible heel? Why is it the other? Why would you? Why would they turn to begin with? Regardless of whether they're doing a good job. How can you blow? Those are both layups. <laughs> everyone fucking hates Lacey Evans. All the wokes can't stand her. Okay. And she was getting heat from everyone else because she's a very effective asshole. And Bailey's Bailey. And it's like you're getting more out of them in the opposite way. What the fuck is wrong with this? How does that happen? Lacey should have been a top heel on the women's side for like fucking 10 years. And Bailey should have been. A, a, a fucking layup as a babyface star for ten years. Yeah, you should have had, half that arena should be filled with you know ten year old girls screaming their their screaming as loud yeah. as they possibly can for Bailey to come out because she's the inspiration to to women everywhere. And and no, we have you know the ladies' lady is is yeah it, it's yeah it's perplexing. <laughs> the lady the, the ladies' lady who really hasn't changed her gimmick. She still goes on Twitter and says, my man's dinner is hot and on the table. And that's your big baby face. Right. That, that's heel. He, Vince, that's no, the, not to Vince. This is the problem. Not to Vince McMahon. He's like, God damn, right. Like, that's how it's done. That's how women are supposed to be. Like that's, this is the thing that I said. The, the complex is that that man doesn't know what good and, and evil is anymore. He's lost right. complete. He doesn't understand at all anymore. Yeah. What people like, it, like what actual human beings like and respond to. It's steak and ketchup on it. <laughs> steak and ketchup wraps. God damn right. Yeah. None of these burritos you speak of. I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, it, it's yeah, absolutely. It's it's crazy. She's still the same. Like she hasn't changed the character, but now she's just a baby face. It's. Yeah, her, her her most recent uh, <laughs> her most recent Instagram post is uh, waiting for my mom jeans to get done drying. Husband fed, homeschooling done, house clean, chicken watered, chickens watered, <laughs> workout yeah. complete. Limitless lady up and running. Now listen, a woman who does all those things can be a perfectly respectable and, and nice woman, but that's such easy heel heat with other women, right? You know well, what and, and what I'll tell you right now is like the. <laughs> The replies are all like other members of the NXT roster that I think think she's still a heel. 
Because right. Chelsea Green and and and, and Casey Catanzaro are like, oh, okay, or like, okay, I roll. Like, sure, yeah. all right, girl. And it's like, you know, they're yeah, clearly yeah. like, oh, she's a heel, so we're gonna like, you know, act like because you know these are women that you know, no, you know, Chelsea Green's not putting the, the fucking, you know, what? Let Zack Ryder make the goddamn dinner because right. he's not doing anything except playing around with his fucking figures. So they can yeah. make the goddamn dinner or whatever. Casey's like, ah, make Ricochet fucking heat up some chicken for us. But like, you know, so they're kind of like rolling their eyes at it because they think she's still a heel, but she's a face. It's just like yes. The company themselves they, don't even know, yeah. Because they can't even tell. Because they don't watch the show and they can't tell. Because she's still tweeting. That's my point. She's still like the same character, but now she's just a baby face. At least Bailey changed it up. She got a haircut. She's fucking acting like an asshole. She's killing the fucking wind socks with an axe. <laughs> okay, those are heel. Those are heel maneuvers. I get it. I don't know. What's the, why are we doing this? Come I on. What's know, that? Yeah. <laughs> Christ. Okay, so Joe, there. I, I I always have a Royal Rumble party. People come. Over I to my cooked house. the dinner in my house. Am I a heel? Maybe. Yeah, I'm a heel too. I guess that too. But um, okay. So <laughs> I always have a Royal Rumble party. People come over to my house to watch the Royal Rumble. We bet on it and do all this sort of stuff. The problem that was the last few years, and the reason why I really di- I really am like regretting having this party is this match right here, Shorty G versus Sheamus, because the problem now, and this always happens, is. Shorty G is going to come out in his Bart Simpson outfit and I'm going to get a lot of rich. What's the Shorty G thing? And they want me to explain it. And I just go, I don't know. And they go, well, no, no, no. Why is he like wearing? And I'm like, I don't know. It's like, and then they just berate me. The people in the room. Cause there's also like, there's like friends and then their girlfriends come and then friends, wives come. Cause it's like a fun time. They, they tell yeah. their, their, their wives. Oh no, we bet on it. It's fun. There's food and we, we drink and we yell. It's like, yeah, you can come. Like, cause normally like if I'm like, Hey, we're going to watch, you know, new Japan show, or whatever. They're going to leave their girlfriends home or whatever. But they, they, everybody brings the significant others. The plus ones all come. And I, ha- I then I get a room full of people turning to me and going, Hey, what's a Shorty G thing? And I have to like explain it. And how do you explain Shorty G to a, a room full of people that have no idea what's going on? Bart Simpson outfit. <laughs> he wears basketball shorts. I had it on the other day and Michelle walked in the room and went, what the hell is that? I was just like, I don't know. I'm not going to explain. It. I changed the channel and we never spoke of it again. Cause I was like, I, they, I can't even attempt I know, to they, explain it. They dress him like a small boy. He, he, they dress him like I dress the three-year-old boy in my house. That's how they dress him. Like, all he's missing is, like, a Spider-Man logo on the shorts. And he dresses like the three-year-old in my house. Um, it's, yeah, I, I I don't know what you tell those visitors. Um, he's in another feud with a big bully. So, remember, that was, that's supposed to make him a star last time. So now he's, like... With Baron Corbin, remember? And yeah. now he's a Well, th- this story's a little bit different though, because Seamus Joe, he's tall, and Shorty G is short. So it's a little bit different. That's exactly the same. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. That's the that's the exact same story. Interesting. Um, yeah. And and Seamus, again, a very good. Was that the story character. that Baron Corbin was tall and Shorty G was short? Yeah, yes, sir. Mm, interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, tall and short. So this is the same story um, then, yeah, that Seamus is tall. Okay. All right. And they're bullies. Little you know? fella. He called, did he call, he's called him little fella. I'm sure he has. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen here, little fella. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. I love, remember Seamus, remember before the tag team with, with uh, Cesaro? Seamus is, uh, what, what do you call it? The Titantron gimmick? They still call it that? Uh, they do. Yeah, I guess they still call it that. Yeah. 
it was just constant images of like Catholic crosses because that's all they that's all they knew to do for the Irish guy. You know, well, he must be Irish. He must be fucking Catholic. So let's just show imagery like these zoom ins to crosses. Remember on top of church steeples in fucking graveyards, fucking just a series of fucking crosses because that's his whole his whole character is I'm Irish. So it must mean you're fucking Catholic. And that might not even be the case. Maybe he's not Catholic, you know, but just crosses one after another. Does he have that Titantron back now that he's no longer? Uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen uh, I haven't seen his Titantron since he, he returned. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye out on that for the World Rumble. <laughs> the thing to watch for this man. And his, uh, Shorty G. Remember when Shorty G, people insisted this man was going to be a huge star with the Shorty G. And I'm like, what the fuck? Really? I mean, I mean, come on! It's like, what, what are we, what are we talking about? We, how is that ever going to be a star? I don't know. Is there another? I can't do it anymore. Is there another match on here? There's three more matches. Bro. Uh, oh my Roman, god! How many matches are on this show? Four what actually. The, there's four more matches. Wait uh, a minute, Rich. The Royal Rumbles are over an hour long. I. Well, these shows Blizzard. are four hours or five. This might be five. I don't know. I did get a, uh, I did get one reply from one of my buddies saying like, when do I have to come over for this? And I was like, <laughs> look, dude, if I knew when the Royal Rumbles were going to come, I would definitely just tell you to come right. right when the Royal Rumble. If they were the last two matches on the show, I would have people over my house at nine and then they'd yeah. leave at 10 or 11 or whatever. And we'd be perfectly fine. But the fact that they have to get here at five, just in case like the women's Royal Rumble matches is, is oh first is, is, is pretty bad. Cause they screwed up that one year. They had the men's rumble like third from the top. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like it was disarray in this household but uh anyway uh false count anywhere joe that any anywhere in the arena roman reigns versus king corbin <laughs> yeah that's right yeah i forgot about this one yeah <laughs> good well you know it's gonna be fantastic yeah i can't wait yeah Reigns is gonna spear corbin through the barricades and uh, can't wait. <laughs> Raw can't Women's wait. Championship. Wait a minute. Are you saying are you saying they're going to do the barricade spot in this false count anywhere match? What makes you think they're going to do the barricade spot? Or they'll do maybe maybe Reigns will get carried out on a stretch or two. That that's a, a real possibility too. Uh, so. Someone might. Oh, you know what? Top. That's actually that's it. Because like he is uh, he's in the Royal Rumble. Oh my God! There it is. So oh, King Corbin's going to have his 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 court come out and beat up Roman Reigns. <laughs> <laughs> and put him on a stretcher, and then we're gonna have doubt that Roman Reigns is even gonna come out for the Royal Rumble. How can he make it out to the Royal Rumble, Joe? How can he possibly? You just do you have the booking sheet? I don't, because but... that's exactly what's gonna happen. And he's gonna come out. Romans, it's gonna go. Okay, we're it's and you know it's gonna be number twenty-seven. Why is it always number twenty-seven when they do something like this? So it's gonna be number twenty-seven. It's gonna go five, four, three. Right, dun 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 dun. But he's not going to come out right away, right? It's he's gonna he's gonna come out a little slower than he usually comes out. And Rich, when he comes out, he's gonna have that little limp going. Yeah, maybe holding gonna, his ribs a little bit. That's that's kind of yeah. the Roman Reigns cell. He kind of holds the one yep. rib. Yeah, the little limp and a little balled up fist holding the ribs. Right, that's the that's the move. And then he's gonna limp onto the ring. I, I the love ring. when they do the tape over the gear type yeah. thing. When you have hurt ribs, they tape over the gear. Yes, with the little balled up fist holding the ribs, and he's going to be limping down there. And Michael Cole is going to be screaming about how tough this man is, and you can't stop him. And he's going to get in there with one leg and broken ribs, and he's going to throw Braun Strowman out of there, and he's going to fucking throw uh, fucking whoever the fuck, Cesaro, and he's going to win the match because he's winning the match. Okay. But you're absolutely right. He is getting stretchered out 
and he's limping out when that song hits, but like 10 seconds into the song, not when he usually comes Right, out. yeah, they'll, they'll have a little bit of doubt. Oh, that must have been Roman Reigns' number, but he's not coming out after the attack we saw earlier from King yeah. Corbin and his court or whatever. And then, yeah. Dude, dude, oh my God, I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah. It's the big dog. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. So there you go. No, no need to even watch a Red Rumble. We already booked it for you guys. So. Shit, do something else with your Sunday, man. I'm sure some college basketball games on. <laughs> oh, God. Raw Women's Championship here. Becky Lynch versus Asuka. Wait, there's more matches? There's three more matches, Joe. What else? Because I, I, I couldn't care less. Okay. What else after that? Uh, there's a strat match, Joe, for the WWE Universal Championship. The Fiend what? versus Daniel Bryan. Let's go. What? Oh, yeah. They're doing the contract signing on Friday, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Fiend is going to be at a contract <laughs> signing. I love it. I know. The there's going to be a table, and it's going to be like, you know, all red or whatever. It's going to walk down and sit in a chair and sign a contract. But who's coming out? Bray might come out in the red sweater. That's true. You're right. You're and, right. Wave, and wave a lot, right? And maybe the fucking rabbit will be there and you know or because i i can't imagine the fiend is gonna come out and fucking take a pen and put it to paper right so it's probably gonna be bray right maybe it'll oh i think i just booked this one rich okay yeah go ahead let's do it maybe it'll be bray that comes out to sign the contract and then daniel bryan will beat the fiend but the bray signed the contract so daniel bryan won't win the title because he didn't beat the man who signed the contract Mm, okay yeah, or the Fiend will just beat his ass on on Sunday and, and drag him to hell or something like that. So that's actually the ring likely. is. There's definitely gonna be a hole in the ring, and he's gonna drag him in with the strap, and they're gonna go, "Oh my god!" Or, you know, and then it'll be it. So yeah, he'll probably just beat him. You're right. Yeah, because he's the uh, he's the Rumble challenger. He's like Bob Holly in this scenario, right? Right, right. So, or do they do that anymore? Like that used to be the deal. Yeah, where you'd like have some like random guy challenge the champion because it didn't matter because the Rumble was the draw. Yeah, kind of. That's kind of where Daniel Bryan's at these days. Yeah, he's he's kind of yeah. Bob Holly. So. Man. He got the buzz cut yeah. just like Bob Holly too. So that's just been a steady stream of dream matches since he's. Oh my god, the Gargano match. Who could forget it's... that one? That was fantastic. The Ricochet match. Absolutely. Oh my god. How that about that so... long? How about that long feud with Andrade oh that we were? Oh my god, it made that both those guys great. better. I mean, Andrade's better Absolutely. off for it, and Dan O'Brien's better off for it. Yeah. Yeah, our match of the year poll is being dominated by uh, <laughs> Daniel, Daniel Bryan matches. Down there. Yeah. Just the... Just a constant stream of dream matches that everyone uh, told us we were going to get. Mm-hmm. Has Daniel Bryan appeared? Well, oh, the Kofi match. The Kofi right? match, so, yeah, yeah. The Kofi match is pretty high. Um, but... The Kofi match is doing pretty well. But outside of that, does he have a single match that's appeared uh, yet? Probably I can tell you right not. now. I don't uh, don't think so off the top of my head, but I will uh, I will find that out for you right now as we're doing this. But, uh, yeah, what do you think? There's uh... no chance. There's no way. What other match? <laughs> exactly. There hasn't been another one. But I'll, I'll make sure that there's not somebody who, who voted for something weird. But, uh, yeah, this um is, is, is pretty fascinating here. Uh, Daniel Bryan is sick of the fiend running away, so he decided he's gonna be attached to him in a strap match. So, all right, um, cool, <laughs> cool. Make, makes makes sense on paper. I one guess. of like literally one of the worst stipulations yeah. ever, by the way. It, oh, it, yeah. Like they're never good. There's like and, and some people will say, oh, there's this one, or like people give me one or two examples. Yes, but there's seventy five other examples of strap matches not being good. They stink. They're yeah, terrible. They're no- so. Yeah, they might have worked in front of, you know, simpleton fucking territory crowds in 1979, but it, it's just we've evolved past the strap match. Uh, it does not look like any non-Kofi matches yet up here in for uh, one Daniel Bryan. So despite <laughs> so has- in, in, in light of the numerous dream matches, no, he is. He is not. Uh, wow. Not that's, that's surprising because I was told that he was going to be in a 
a, a constant, endless stream of dream matches upon his uh, re-signing with the company. Uh, that would certainly outdo anything he could do out there on his own as a freelancer. Rich, there was, you know, when he's scraping uh, together, when he's scraping together pennies, you know, on, on the independence, though. That's the only problem. Uh, yeah, exactly. Having great matches as a freelancer, but also not being able to feed his child because he isn't already a millionaire. <laughs> right. That was the idea behind that. Um, but uh, uh, and also, you know, he was, you know, he was apparently going to work these matches for free and not for an exorbitant rate that he could charge. Like that that man could have charged whatever the fuck he wanted and gotten it from like just Chris Jericho. How much is he making per match in new Japan? Isn't he making like six figures? I thought so. Yeah. I thought it was two somewhere around 150 or 250. I forget. Yeah. But he's making a, it's like, and you're telling me people (laughs) were, people were were honest to God, making the argument that Daniel Bryan wouldn't make any money. If he left WWE, right. begging, cool. begging for nachos at a, at, a, at a Ring of Honor show so that he can eat, you know, he's going to wrestle for a handshake and a hot dog or he's going to He's vegan, uh, though. That's the worst part. He couldn't even have the hot dog. So that'd be uh, I right. think is he still I don't know if he's still vegan or not, but um, yeah, he'd have to eat like a, a pretzel, like a hard pretzel. That, that wouldn't I wouldn't he be vegan. Good. I think he ch- I think he stopped after a while. I don't know if he went I back to it, but there was a point where he stopped. So. Yeah, a lot of people can't hang with that. It's it's a it's a it's a rough it's a rough life because even if you're like him, right? Someone with his means, like a lot of problems with the vegans is they have problem finding food. With his means, it wouldn't be a problem. But the problem is physically, it kicks your ass with a lot of people, which is why they stop. But uh, nobody cares. What else? Nobody cares. Yeah. So then we're now to the men's Royal Rumble, Joe. Okay. We're going to do the odds for these ones. We we can go pretty quick. A lot of these people are not going to matter or count or, or whatever. But Jeez, okay, let's do it. All right, so uh, we'll start with Brock Lesnar because he enters at number one. He is entering the match at number one, announced on Raw, uh, January 6, 2020. What are, you, uh, what are your odds for Brock Lesnar? Well, you wouldn't think he's winning, but you can never discount Brock Lesnar, right? Um, you say Reigns is your favorite. I st- <sighs> two to one. I would say two to one. Yeah, that's pretty good. Like I, I, I think he's... If it's not Reigns, it's Brock. I think it's one of those two guys, for sure. I don't know well, anybody else. Like, nobody else really jumps out at me. And, and the Brock thing, like, again, it's, it's, it's weird. But it's like, again, you can't discount him. Like, I had a friend the other day who texted me and said, would it, be, would it totally surprise you if Brock entered number one and eliminated everybody by himself? And no, I said, no, cool. no, it really wouldn't. If, like, every guy came out and Brock just tossed him out and then Brock just won. I would love that. I mean, that would be, I said, no. And I said, actually, I hope that happens. That sounds incredible. Like five, four, three, two, one. Then like, you know, Ricochet comes in. It's like, burr, 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 burr. They're like, oh, wrestling's real life superstar Ricochet. And then he's burr, and then like practice fucking clotheslines him out of the ring and waits for the next do, guy to come out. Yeah. Do his song again. Uh, that's, that's it. Yeah. Do his song again. You forgot the, the fucking bullet in the beginning. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Then the song. It's wrestling's real life superstar Ricochet. Brock throwing everyone out and winning as number one would be fucking phenomenal. And like nobody Why? else gets a chance to even be in the ring either. Like he's in the ring. No. You know, Tucker comes out. And he just he just <laughs> hits him, and Tucker just flies out of the ring. It's like, oh, all right, well, maybe the next guy. And it's you know, fucking Bobby Lashley. And then he just boom. Oh no, he's out. And it's like, hmm, all right, <laughs> Tucker. Right. Tucker. Oh my god! That I don't know why you put that in my brain because now I want it. But I think the more likely it was not even my, my my buddy just out of nowhere was like, "Hey, uh, what's the chances of that happening?" I think he was joking, but then I also yeah. was like, "Dude, like, 
like not only like I, I, I really do think that he could go all the way here and that they maybe do something weird where they announce another, you know, person for or they have, you know, whatever the next pay-per-view is, they have that for the title. Like it's 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 Brock. So you can't you can't bet against anything you with Brock. Him. You can't discount him. I wouldn't bet on him, but because the odds won't be long enough and but you can't discount him. I think Roman wins and faces the fiend. And Brock gets thrown out of this match by whoever he's facing. Right. Which, that? which I think I, they maybe tipped off a little bit, but Cain Velasquez, I believe, is going to be a surprise entry here. So people, you know, there's people who insist that Kane Brock is not the Mania match, but it probably changes 900 times a day. Right. So I saw someone lay out a scenario where Cena is a surprise and he throws out Brock. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, that'd be good. I guess I'd be all right with that. I got no problem with that. But I'd much rather see Brock enter as number one and just completely <laughs> decimate everyone one by one. Nobody Where, else gets in the ring for 20, 12 seconds yet. No. Yeah. He just throws the mountains and stands there and does that little Brock hop for the final 30 seconds before the next guy comes every yeah. time. And the, then only guy, the only guy is Reigns who comes out and gets like a one Superman punch on him. Looks like he's about to toss him out, and then Brock just turns it around and tosses him out of the ring and wins the match. <laughs> yeah, Reigns is number 30. And right. Yeah. It's, he comes in limping with his ribs. And uh, yeah, Brock grabs him by his fucking wet head of hair and tosses him out of there too. I would fucking love that. I I can't believe you put this in my head. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's gonna be so disappointing when this doesn't happen. Um. Okay. So Brock, I'm gonna put a two to one. You cannot discount him. Two to one. All right. Announced on WWE's Instagram story, January twenty second. Oh Joe come R-Truth on. Is in this match. Come on. <laughs> 10,000 to 1. 10,000 to 1. Uh, announced by Kofi Kingston on WWE's The Bump, Kofi Kingston Ugh. and Biggie Langston are in the Men's Royal Rumble. Uh, Kofi is uh, 1,000 to 1. Biggie is uh, 5,000 to 1. So I got a little bit of trivia for you, Joe. How many eliminations, how many all-time eliminations does Biggie Langston have uh, in a Royal Rumble match? Yes, I, I, brought back, I brought back the last name, yes. Zero. Okay, well, you, are, have you been listening to the Rumble Rewinds then? No, I just figured that um, the way you framed the question, it was probably going to be that he never does anything well. So I just, yeah, I just yeah, that's, that's smart of you. Yeah, he has zero elimination. He's been in uh, five Royal Rumbles, zero eliminations ever. So, well, I'm sure he throws pancakes around. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe from Raw, all uh, announced for the Royal Rumble match. All right, uh, Seth. Um, they seem to be going a different fifty to one. Samoa Joe. Um, the hundred to one and Kevin Owens, uh, fifty to one. Yeah, I, I don't think any of those guys have any chance whatsoever. Yeah, they, they're all in different I, stories, and and yeah, I don't, I don't. Know. You can't give them crazy ass odds though, because yeah, like they're still it's it's Seth Rollins, so you can't be like completely write them off. But yeah, they're not winning. Uh, Braun Strowman, Shinsuke Nakamura from SmackDown, also in the oh, yeah. Rumble. Nakamura is ten thousand to one. Um, he Braun. Won last year. That's the best part. Did he really? Yes. <laughs> that was last year. <laughs> I think so, right? No, it was the year or was before. It was it Orton that won last year? Yeah, he it, it, Nakamura was the year before. That wasn't last year. Are you sure? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm 2018. Not- yeah, the 2018 Rumble. Yeah, that's fine. I was like, in my brain, I was like, my God, what a year. <laughs> yeah, sorry. He won the 2018 Royal Rumble. So. And Braun, he's like 500 to 1 or something. None of these assholes. Yeah, they're not, doing, they're not doing anything with Braun right now. So, yeah. on that level. Uh, Alistair Black, Buddy Murphy, Bobby Lashley, Rusev, also in the Royal Rumble. Uh, all of those men are uh, 200 to 1. Okay. Ah, not, not bad. Not bad. I don't know. Uh, it's so low effort at this point. Yeah, who cares? Yeah. Uh, Otis and Tucker. Oh, 10,000. 
Yeah, the highest I'm going is 100,000 to 1, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can, yeah, you might have to go higher than 10,000. You're right. I'll go um, 100,000 to 1 on Tucker and Otis. Otis is a good prop bet to be the first guy out. You know, he does something stupid or he's distracted by Manny Rose's ass or something like that and he just immediately tossed out or something like that. So, Hey, as the great Joe Benengo used to say, and you have no idea who that is, I from don't. your lips to God's ears, okay? I would love to see that. Uh, Elias and King Corbin are also uh, in this match. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> you can never Elias... discount King Corbin, though, <laughs> with Vince McMahon. No, you can't. You can't. Elias is 10,000 to 1 and Corbin's 50 to 1. Yeah, there you go. Uh, also announced Dolph Ziggler. Joe, another trivia question for you. How many Royal Rumbles has Dolph Ziggler been in? 17. <laughs> it's pretty close. It's actually 11. This will be his 12th. Wow. Yeah, I believe it. And so, so, so that, just to give you an idea of where that ranks all time, Kane is first with 18. No one's going right. to touch Kane. That's when you add in all the Isaac Yankums and fake mm-hmm. diesels and all that sort of shit. Uh, Dolph Ziggler this year will, will jump into a tie for second place in all-time Rumble appearances. But the problem, though, is he will also be doing that with the Miz and Kofi Kingston, who all also have 11 as well. Good God, the Miz has been in 12 of these fucking so 11. So Miz, Dolph Ziggler, and Kofi Kingston have all been, will, after Sunday, have been in 12 Royal Rumbles. That's the same amount as Shawn Michaels, Goldust, and Big Show. The Miz is in this? Yes. Oh, I don't know if he's in this yet. Uh, he's not. No, I guess he's not listed yet, but I don't know. Fuck him. I figure he might find his way in there. So, but at least Dolph and Kofi will, will will move up to a tie for second place all time in Rumble appearances. So, all right, is, so is nice. Kofi gonna do the dopey gimmick? Oh, absolutely! Come on, are you kidding? Oh my God, he's on a chair. Oh my God, he's balancing on those ring steps. It's hilarious. Hey, are, yeah. Are you like me? Do you root for him to fall and fuck? Yes. Oh, every time, every time. I hope yeah. that like he's on the guardrail and he slips and he falls, and they're like, oh fuck. Like, that was- yeah, well, he often gets thrown out immediately. Anyway. Yeah, he'll jump back in the apron, and then Brock will fucking you know clothesline him off to the you know into the crowd I, or something. Yeah, I think that's to guard against him fucking one of them stunts up because then it's like, well, he doesn't have an important role moving forward anyway. Right. You know, but um, I, I would love to see him screw one up. I mean, he's done enough of them, right? So I, I I'd like to see him fuck one, but who? I don't. You know, John Morrison's back in the company too. He's not announced this Royal Rumble, but they could uh, they could always slip him into that role too because he was the originator, I believe, of of the the wild like not eliminated elimination thing. Oh, did so. he do that? He did yeah, that. he did the the. First, I want to say I was watching in I want to say the 2005 Royal Rumble, and he got knocked out, and then like did like a kind of like a, a spider monkey like got onto like the apron and and did his park because that's when they were like, oh, he's the he's the master of parkour. <laughs> like it's it's parkour. Yeah. yeah, it's it's John Morrison, the master of parkour. You might have been Johnny Nitro still at that time. I don't know what the hell it was. But yeah, he was the first one that did it. And then Kofi kind of took it over from there. So, yeah. All right. Who else is in this damn thing? All right. So I'm just going to go real quick over these names. Drew McIntyre, Ricochet, Rey Mysterio. Uh, Drew McIntyre, ten to one. Yeah, I would say Drew's pretty pretty high. Like of of the guys, that, like I think it's gonna be the Reigns or, or, or Lesnar, but I think Drew's probably my 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 def my my third option for sure in this. Ricochet, like I don't know, a thousand to one or yeah, something. He's not doing and um, who's the other guy? Ray. Uh, Ray, yeah, no way. And he's not winning either. Five hundred to one. Uh, Randy Orton, Eric Rowan. Orton, you can never discount. Um, go thirty to one. Eric Rowan, ten thousand to one. And then uh, AJ Styles, their last guy here. Ah, uh, hundred to one. Did you make odds for Reigns yet? I, I forgot if I gave you the Reigns one. 
But one to two. Ooh, like okay. So your favorites, Roman Reigns one to two, and Charlotte Flair one to two uh, are your favorites. Yes. And then just to review, I think Brock was two to one, correct? Two to one, yeah, yeah. And then Drew McIntyre was ten to one. Yeah, yeah. I okay. think that was so. Those, those are our favorites, and then I don't think you gave any other favorites in the women's match. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the next closest was uh, Alexa Bliss at a thousand to one or something. So something like that. Yeah, yeah something like that. Yeah, maybe a hundred to one. Maybe I said I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. Oh God. All right. Well, that is uh, <laughs> it's the Royal Rumble 2020, Minute Maid Park, Houston, Texas, this Sunday. Uh, we have a preview right now. VoiceWrestling.com also reviews. A lot of fun. I wish it wasn't so long because, like you said, you got to sit there the whole time because you don't know when the matches are coming. Right, and any Rumble's fine. Like, even the worst run, like, that Women's Rumble last year was horrendous, but most Royal Rumbles are, like, fine. Like, it's hard. Yeah, so I, I, I have high hopes Twitter for Twitter experience, too. Yeah, it's oh, it's great. It's one of the few times Twitter is tolerable mm-hmm. during a Rumble, you know? Unless your feed is, like, eight seconds behind, because then you're, you never get surprised. All right, let's get to the final show here of uh, the weekend. This one's going on Friday. It's NWA Hard Times uh, from the GPB Studios, uh, January 24th, 2020. By the way, if you're, when you're listening to this, what? Well, I'm going on the night of uh, this is getting released. So if you're checking that out, uh, Fight TV is going to air it live as well if you want to check that out uh, there. But uh, we have a preview as well at voiceofwrestling.com if you want to check that out. Steve Case did a really, really good preview of this. And Joe, I'm pretty excited about this show. I can't, I can't wait. I, I, you know, people can say whatever they want about, you know, the weekly NWA TV and all this sort of stuff. And that's uh, boring. Oh, it's this. Like, it is still, it is bar none my favorite weekly TV show every single week. It is an hour. It's an easy watch. I feel like I could just put it on the background. Everything makes sense. Like I, I'll defend NWA again. I, I do it every single time we talk about these pay per views. I do it every week we talk about it NWA. But I, I think it's a great TV show. I love the NWA. Yeah, there's some booking inconsistencies and stuff, uh, some minor things. But I think I thought season two was much better than season one. I think the build to this pay per view was better and more focused. And I think that uh, the pay per view itself on paper is way better than the uh, Into the Fire pay-per-view was on paper coming in. So um, much stronger season, much better focus. None of the Jim Cornette nonsense. So uh, I thought season two was an improvement. Yeah, there feels like there's less weight to every single episode. Like the problem with the Cornette thing is like, what is Cornette going to say this week? Like what did Cornette yeah. get mad about in wrestling this week? And like there, yeah. not all that's gone now. It's just a pro wrestling show and no one's bigger than the show. Everyone's just kind of all kind of working towards the same goal. And it, 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 it's very refreshing, very, very refreshing. And I have to deal with that bullshit. So yeah, it's an easy watch. And I thought most of the episodes season two were really good. You know, uh, we talked about the one a couple weeks ago and, this last one, which I think was a special, what was it, 80 minutes or 90 minutes or something this past week. Okay, so it wasn't just me. I was watching. I'm like, man, this show keeps on going. Like, what the hell? That makes sense. Like, halfway through, I was like, what the fuck? This feels like it's been way longer than an hour, but. No, it was longer than usual. And, um, you know, the only thing that dragged was the uh, Aaron Stevens segment that ended with uh, Starks pulling off the mask. Yeah, that dragged for sure. Yeah, that went about 15 minutes longer Um, than it needed to, but that's all right. It could have got to that payoff in, in literally half the time, but. Uh, everything else, I mean, the Ricky Morton stuff, Ricky Morton has become a very effective promo, which yeah. I don't think anyone yeah, thought in 1986. But, um, you know, and, and, and it was, he's, it, it's been a much stronger season and the pay-per-view has been well built. And now with uh, Marty Skrull repairing the relationship with Ring of Honor, that's going to play into the pay-per-view a bit and with things moving forward. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this much more than I was looking forward to Into the Fire. And then into the fire, I didn't really like. I know you liked it a little better than I did, but uh, I would be stunned if this show doesn't end up being 
better than Into the Fire and more along the lines of the previous NWA pay-per-views, the Crockett Cup and the 70th anniversary, which were legitimately good shows. They weren't great shows, but they were good shows. And I didn't think Into the Fire was even a good show. I think this has a chance to be a good show. It was 11 matches, so I think a lot of them are going to be kept short. So it's 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 going to feel a little bit more like an NWA That's show. Okay. Yeah, no, I agree because it's going to be a lot of five minute matches, which is perfectly mm-hmm. fine. Like I, I like and and that's the thing that NWA. That's the reason I like the TV a lot too because it doesn't try to be anything it's not. Like the the main event yeah. is your ten minutes maybe or eight minutes or whatever. Then they have other matches like two minutes, and that's exactly what TV wrestling needs to be. I I I've, I don't need twenty minute back and forth TV wrestling matches unless it's a main event and it's been well built or whatever. So yeah, yeah. I, I I like it. And yeah, this is what this card's going to be. I mean, you have uh, four first round matches in the uh, world television title tournament uh first one tim storm versus ken anderson i'll just i'll just go over them all real quick and yeah, yeah, kind of talk yeah. about them uh ricky starks versus matt cross zicky dice versus dan math uh and the question mark versus trevor murdoch yeah i mean the tournament qualifiers were all a lot of fun over the course of the season and then the two mystery wrestlers turned out to be uh matt cross which came out of nowhere yeah i'll yeah. take that and um and dan moff which comes through the roh connection so uh, two nice additions, you know, uh, you figure one of them will win. I can't imagine they knock Starks out in the first round. Um, yeah, I think Matt, so, I think Matt beats um, Zicky Dice. Yeah, but yeah, for sure. Dice has kind of gotten a TV push, too, though. So it's interesting. Maybe they do beat both of the surprise guys. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, the, I thought the two surprise guys worked out nicely. They weren't just rehashed, you know, mid-level fucking X impact guys, which you're always in fear of with this group. So, um, and yeah, I think these tournament matches will all be quick, tidy, and to the point, like you were saying. Uh, do you have any uh, favorites to win the entire uh, tournament? I think Ricky Starks is obviously one guy that you have to, you know, when, when you talk about momentum coming out of season one, going into season two, momentum leading through this entire season, I think Ricky Starks is absolutely a guy uh, that I would put on that list. And I would really put him maybe above all these other guys. Like, I think they're doing something with Ken Anderson right now. So that like, there's a possibility of him too. Cause he's kind of like becoming unhinged and, and, and that's sort of the angle they're doing with him. So I, I could see Anderson. I could see Starks. I don't really see a story for anybody else. The question mark, I think would be a really bad decision. Trevor Murdoch. Yeah. I don't think there's a ton there. Uh, Moff probably not obviously, cause he's going to go back to ring of honor. Matt cross is obviously just here a, a, as a surprise. And, and I don't think it works for Tim storm either. I think like there's a oh, way no. to do it with Tim storm, but I think it's just kind of like, It'd be more sad than anything, because it's like, oh yeah, this guy used to be the world champion. Now he's the TV champion. So I'm really left with Starks and Anderson as, as like the final two guys that I think have a chance of doing it. But they're going to face off in the semifinals, and that'll be a huge uh, potentially if Tim Storm beats, you know, or, or, or loses to Ken Anderson. But but those are the two guys that I probably put as the favorites. But I don't know if maybe you have a different pick. I wouldn't entirely write Storm off though, because they, he can't challenge for the world title anymore. That's true. Right. Right. So maybe you know. Um, but yeah, I agree with most of your other assessments. I think Zicky Dice has a chance. I really do. Um, and and obviously Starks, I, I I'd probably put him as the favorite because they gave him kind of the that spot with Nick Aldis where he got that um, elevation by going all the way with Aldis. Um, and and honestly, I, I it feels to me like the long term plan is Starks versus Aldis at some point, with the way that that all played out. And uh, all just giving them the vote of confidence and then going all the way in the match. Um, and maybe that would make sense why they didn't put the national title on Starks at Into the Fire because they knew they were rolling out this TV title, which they would then put on him. So I don't know. But then again, you know, he attacked Aaron Stevens on the go home show. So maybe the plan is for him to eventually win the national title from Stevens. So it's hard to say. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there also is the possibility, too, that if Question Mark makes it all the way to 
uh, the finals that they're on different sides of the tournament, so they could face oh, each other. Oh, you're so, right. And that, yeah, that's where I saw that. that on that show, and I was like, ah, that's probably a pretty good story that Starks beats Question Mark, and then maybe, you know, dis- despite being TV champion, starts going at Aaron Stevens, and then I, whatever, however you want to do that. Yeah, uh, yeah, down yeah. the line, but I think that keeps that story kind of together. But I, again, like I'm just, I, I don't know. I, like I don't have a really, really good read for it. But I, I think Starks is probably the guy that I would pick for sure. But he'd have to be the favorite going in, I think. Uh, other matches: Rock and Roll Express uh, versus James Storm, Eli Drake, and the Wild Card: Simon Slattimore and Royce Isaac. Because for the uh, NWA World Tag Team Titles, uh, you assume this is finally the point where the Rock and Roll lose, right? Or are they kind of going with this a little bit longer? You would think. I mean, I was surprised they retained it into the fire. So you got another uh, season out of it uh, with, with the Ricky Morton thing. But it's, it's probably time to, uh, to, to take it off of them. But, but who knows? I just hate that they're doing a three-way. I don't like three-ways in the NWA. It, 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 to me, it's, it, it doesn't fit the aesthetic, and I wish they would stay away from them. With dog barking here, but I think they've uh, they've stopped for a second. Yeah, I'm right with you. I don't I don't love the uh, the NWA being defended in a three way. That just seems icky. You know what I mean? Like that. that yeah, no, it does. It's the NWA yeah. man. Like I thought the same thing when I saw that they announced a three way. I was like, oh, just take the wild cards out of it or something, or just you know take Storm and Eli. Yeah, I don't I don't like a triple threat. I, I, it, it's shoehorning everyone onto the show. And right, I, right, right. And it doesn't feel right for the tone of the promotion to have three ways. So um, that that's my main takeaway there, more so than. You know whether Rock and Roll Express will drop them yet. Uh, I think that they will. I think they're going to drop them every time they defend them. Honestly, so uh, we'll see. Uh, three matches that I'm really looking forward to. The final three here: uh, Aaron Stevens defending the national championship against Scott Steiner. It'll be comedy. Um, the Stevens stuff doesn't really land with me, but uh, this will be your comedy relief on the show. The thing with the so where I put the. Um... The Aaron Stevens stuff is it's always funny for like five minutes and then it goes 10 minutes longer than it needs to. Yeah, it's and an that's SNL skit that outlet that goes further than it's uh, that outlives its welcome. Yeah, because that's funny. like even the karate thing the other day. I was like, ha, this is kind of funny. And I was like, all right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I get it, man. <laughs> all right. <laughs> like, like every two minutes, I kept being like, oh, okay, to the point where I fucking hated it when it was done. But yeah, at the beginning, I was like, oh, okay, this is all right. Like, yeah. But yeah, it, yeah. It, it, and, and the Steiner stuff is like all kind of fun and cute or whatever. But like, I'm still looking forward to it because I think it'll be kept very, very short and it'll at least have something interesting that'll probably happen to it. But. <laughs> you just you just said you they're funny for five minutes and they always go too long. And you said this will be kept very short. I think so it for- will be. No, I think like Aaron Stevens, everything goes too long. But I don't know how long Scott, Scott Steiner can be in a wrestling match anymore without yeah, his like prepare, body exploding. Prepare, prepare for an 18 minute match. Oh, now. Fuck. That was the tip of that. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. Uh, I just don't think, uh, yeah, I just don't think Steiner can do cardio for more than a minute, but maybe we'll see. Uh, final two matches here, Allison Kay defending the uh, uh, NWA World Women's Championship against Thunder Rosa. They've gotten a lot of time on the TV, and Thunder Rosa is unquestionably the best women's wrestler oh, on their rocks. roster. Yeah, she's awesome. So um, I'd like to see her win the title, honestly. It feels like it's time anyway. Uh, and then our main event here, uh, NWA versus ROH in a promotional match, Nick Aldis versus Flip Gordon. So this is, um, I'm not loving the build here, but I think it'll be a pretty interesting match. And it's a good sort of what I think is the beginning of, of, of a long-term, you know, NWA versus uh, Ring of Honor story. But yeah, it seems a little weird and a little forced together as the main event already. But um, it's something that you book if you have the opportunity to book it for sure. Well, more importantly, it's Nick Aldis versus Villain Enterprises. Right, right. That's the big key. Exactly. So- yeah, so Flip's just kind of a conduit to the bigger picture. 
Exactly. So this will be something that advances the lo- the the bigger picture storyline with Marty Skrull. So um, it's good to see Flip on this show. So uh, that that's the deal there. So you, you really Nick All this isn't going. to – I don't even know if it's t- is it officially a title it is not match? A title match. It is just yeah. NWA versus ROH. So right. So I mean, they're not even working under the pretense that it's a title match, which I like actually. Um, and and it, it's just the whole deal here is. What storyline comes out of this? You know, Marty Skrull's obviously going to be there. And, uh, you know, we'll see where we go from there. And I really thought they would do the Skrull match at this pay-per-view. But there's obviously a longer play to be had here. So, Which is cool. Uh, I like that. I like the idea that yeah. we're just we're, – we're, that, that it, it lets you know that this relationship, at least you know, for now, is pretty strong. And that, that, that's good. Like, you have a match that this all this flip, like I said, begins – the interpromotional war between these two, quote unquote war or whatever. But then, yeah, you're building up. You have more time now builds of the Marty and Nick. You have Nick show up on ROH. You have Marty show up on NWA. Like that is, I love this sort of shit too. This is why we said a few weeks ago that like Marty signing with ROH is the best news for everybody because it's yep. made the NWA more interesting. It's made Ring of Honor more interesting. And I think by proxy, it's made a lot of other companies way more interesting than, than if Marty just showed up on AEW and he's just another member of the elite. Like that's kind of boring to me. So I love this. Yeah. Because it, it, it's more companies now are benefiting by Marty not joining the, the company. So. Yep, ripple effects throughout the whole industry, and it's good. It is good, um, and and I thought Marty would work, be all over the tapings, and he wasn't. And then they would have their match at this pay per view, and he's and they're not. So they really threw a curveball there. All he really did was that sit down interview, which they just released on YouTube this week. I think it's that's uh, long. It's like twenty minutes or something. Um, I haven't watched it yet. I was gonna. I was planning on watching it tonight, but um. And, and and that's you know he didn't work any matches he did he didn't even come out to cut promos he just showed up at into the fire cut a sit down interview and has been you know uh, just spoken about on the periphery so they're really slow playing it they're really little, like little stuff where like his, his videos getting intercut with some stuff yes like, was interrupting the signal you know <laughs> yeah yeah and um, yeah I, I agree with you I'm glad they're slow playing it because you really want to milk this you know in hindsight it would have been kind of dumb to burn off all this scroll this quickly so you know they can do uh, a longer uh, uh plates to this and 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 peak it and maybe even run that match outside of that tiny building in atlanta right, right that might right. be a match that's too big for that where you can draw a thousand people or something because um the crockett cup show and the 70th anniversary both drew four figures well the 70th anniversary definitely did i don't remember Crockett Cup. They both drew really good crowds. Uh, so you have the right match. And that was with Cody and obviously uh, uh, Skrull. It was Skrull Aldis on one of those shows and it was Cody Aldis on the other. I mean, Skrull Aldis can, you know, you don't want to do that show in that little studio. So we weren't just, I don't think we thought that out very well at the time. You know, this is the, but then again, Marty's future was up in the air at the time too and all that. But um, yeah, this this is smart. Yeah, they can they can long play this and really build towards a uh, a big pay per view for that match because that Absolutely. match will be big. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and, and and if all things go well, yeah, that's that's one big big show later in the summer that you can definitely do. So yeah. Uh, all right, I think that is it for us. So that was a busy, busy wrestling weekend here. We have the uh, Worlds Collide, obviously, as I said. We have a preview up at VoicesWrestling.com, Royal Rumble, preview up at VoicesWrestling.com as well. And wouldn't you know it, NWA Hard Times, a preview up at VoicesOfWrestling.com. We'll have reviews of all three of those shows as well. We mentioned the premium uh, side, 
voiceofwrestling.com slash Patreon. Uh, Joe's Thursday tier reviews just dropped minutes before we recorded here, so that is available for you guys uh, right now as well. Get in the mood for the Royal Rumble with my Rumble Rewind series, going back and looking at 10 uh, random Royal Rumbles, so that's a, a good thing to jump onto. And Joe mentioned that the, the TV, or the, uh, the, the YouTube reviews, I should say, as well, some written reviews there for only $1. So $1 gets you in the door, $5 gets you all the premium content that we do as well, unlocks everything we've done for all these years that we've had. Well, two years now, we've had there one year. How long have we had the Patreon for? Has it been two? Uh, this is uh, December 2017. So all of 2018, all of 2019. There you go. Wow. So there you go. You got plenty of no, stuff. No, no, no. That, so. that might be wrong. Maybe December 2018. And I don't think so. I think uh, maybe you're right. December, maybe, yeah. I, yeah, I can't remember either. I'm it's trying to lot. think. It's, you got a lot of content. $5 gets you a lot of fucking content. There you go. I'm trying to think of filing the taxes, how I've gotten fucking destroyed how many years in a row. <laughs> yeah, that's... Um, uh, no, I think it's, yeah, two full years, and this is the third full year, I believe. Oh, wow. Jesus Christ, does time fly. It really does. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I noticed that I the other day, a, and I was just like, holy shit. Yeah, I was trying to remember all the series like, I had done. Yeah. Oh, it's got to be, because I've done two years worth of G1, so it's got to be two full years. Right. Fuck. Yeah. I got breaking news. What do you got? You ready? Yeah, go ahead. Serena Williams upset by Wang Quang in three oh sets during the wow. Australian Open. Oh, I wish I wish we hadn't run out of time on the show. I'd love to talk about what was her name? Wang Zhang? Wang Kiang? Q-I-A-N-G. Mm, I don't know. I'm a master linguist, but I don't do well with the uh with the guy uh, is Careful. that Chinese? I don't even know what that is. Chinese? Wang? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, that sounds Chinese, but Wang Kiang. I, I imagine that is a big, uh, big upset in the tennis world. You're more the tennis guy than I am, so. That's Serena's earliest upset in a major since 2006. Wow. Well, in Australia, anyway. Uh, why are we? <laughs> okay, there's a lot of qualifiers. There's a lot of why qualifiers. Are, yeah, why are, that's really not much of a fact. Because uh, <laughs> right. I thought she lost to like, didn't she lose to like the 200th ranked person in the world last year? Not in Australia. At um, well, I know it wasn't in Australia. I'm talking. I'm saying the qualifiers are a little weird on this, like Australia. Thing. This is a tennis show. Yeah, it's the Australian Open they're talking about here with Serena. Yeah, but I'm saying it's not that big of an upset if she lost to the number 200 girl last year. You know, no, but not in the Australian Open. Oh, I don't, she okay, lost to that right. girl in the. <laughs> <laughs> she lost to that other American, the young American. She's yeah. like 16. Yeah, she beat her. Yeah. I can't remember her name. Um, Madison Keys still on the scene. I don't know. Pete Sampras still? No. Oh, he's Pete Sampras. Retired like 10 years ago. What are you talking about? <laughs> Agassi's done too, right? Yeah. What the hell's wrong with you? He's like 50. <laughs> he's very old. Who's the guy Who's the guy in the 80s? There was a, a, a good tennis guy in the 80s that I'm blanking on. There's a lot of good tennis guys in the 80s. Uh, McEnroe, Connors. Uh, Jim uh, Courier is the guy I was thinking of. Jim Courier with the red hair. Yeah, he's, he's, he's uh, I assume, no longer active. He's like 60. Yeah. I was going to say he's, he's probably a, pretty old. Did you know he's a Cincinnati Red season ticket holder? Is he really? There you go. Nice. So is Andy Roddick. Wow. Another tennis player. And Kirk Herbstreet. Big Reds fan. Okay. I, I, I buy that. I, I'm having a tough time with the Jim Courier. Uh, is he from that area? Or? Swear to God. Well, I would assume. I mean, well, I'm not. I'm a Reds fan. So who That's knows? true. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but Andy Roddick, always at the games. Uh, Kirk Herbstreet, always at the games until August rolls around. He's got to, you know, go to do the dopey college football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, that's... but all summer long at the games. And well, then he's, he's Ohio through his blood. So that's, uh, yeah, it looks that's like, so right. I'm looking at uh, Jim Courier here. Uh, he was born in 1970 in Florida, but you know, he, he came into, you know, he's probably just a big red machine fan and, and, and similar to you. Probably. It would make sense. I don't remember the big red machine. I was born <laughs> after the big red machine. Jeez. 
Who's your favorite member of the Big Red Machine, Joe? Well, Dave Concepcion, if you're really. Is my favorite player growing up, but he played until like '87. That's I mean, true. Yeah, he was he was an old fart. So he was kicking around. He got replaced by Larkin. So you know he was still, uh, you know, putting up negative two WAR seasons when he was 40 years old. Right. And, but those teams stunk anyway. But uh, yeah, I do not remember the big You're red a machine. Cesar Geronimo fan? No. Great center fielder. Good good defensive <laughs> player. Good Tony defensive Perez. Player. Tony Perez. Yeah, Tony Perez. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, go around the horn. Johnny Bench. Joe yeah, Morgan, yeah, second Morgan, base, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's, Perez. The one guy I always forget, and it's not Ken Griffey Sr. I know Ken Griffey Sr. Who's the other George guy? Foster. That's it, George Foster. I always forget George Foster. So. George Foster, who, who you know, 50 home runs. It's a big time. Uh, you know, he's the sneaky. You look at those, other than Joe Morgan, obviously, who was, you know, a fucking 12-war player or whatever the fuck uh, during those years. People don't realize how good Joe Morgan was. That guy was just, you know otherworldly George Foster was a better offensive player in a lot of those years than your Tony Perez's and your P roses. Yeah. Didn't he, win, he won an MVP one year too, right? Uh, yeah. And he hit 50, he hit 52 home runs. Um, yeah. 77. He had 52 home runs, 149 RBIs, 124 yeah. runs slugging 630 OPS yeah. plus 165 MVP. There you go. Yeah. He was the runner yeah, up the I, year prior. So there you go. Yeah. That's, that's a good probably, to Mor- probably to Morgan. Yeah, let's say 76 yeah yeah he was morgan was 75 and 76 and and again he was like double digit war both of those years he was he, joel morgan was a ridiculously great baseball player but who gets all the pub on those teams pete rose and johnny bench right. now look pete rose and johnny bench were great players but joe morgan was the best player on, on that team and george foster unquestionably was the best player in 77 on that team so there you go. All right, we are very much out of time now as we're talking big. Room this machine. is so stupid. What are we doing? I don't know what we're doing. We're, we're tired. You've done like eight hours of podcasts this day. Anyway, uh, voicewrestling.com, voicewrestling.com slash Patreon for all of our premium content. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. Take care. Bye.